<laughs> What's happening, weirdos? This is the return of the incredible, one-of-a-kind, brilliant, hilarious Chris Gethard. Find out everything Chris is up to, including his tour dates, at chrisgeth.com. You can also watch his most recent special, Half My Life, on comedydynamics.com. I have to say, I hadn't seen Chris in a while, and we, I mean, this conversation blew me away. It was so fun, so funny, so interesting. I'm so glad that you're here to check it out. He is just, like I said, he's one of a kind. You are going to love it. Just a, a word, not of warning, but if you don't like two grown men talking, Val Cameo, if you don't like, if you're watching the video, if you don't like two grown men in their 40s talking about poop and poop strategies, maybe skip the first five, but don't give up on this episode because it is thoughtful, it is interesting, it is inspiring, and it is hilarious. And let's get to it, as I always say, as quickly as possible. The best way to support this show, if you want, well, first of all, you could see me on the road. Go to Pete Holmes. Com. I'm going to be in Milwaukee coming up and then Madison, Wisconsin. Those shows are sold out, which is awesome. Thank you, everybody. There may still be tickets available for Milwaukee. Uh, that should be the name of my book of going on the road. There may still be tickets available in Milwaukee. Uh, but all the cities that I'm going to be in, we're adding new dates all of the time. I believe we just added Cleveland. They're all on PeteHolmes.com. I'm so proud of this hour. The shows have been great. Please come out and see me if I'm coming to a town near you. PeteHolmes.com. Uh, also, you can try a Pete's Pick. These are products that I actually use and actually love, like our friends at Living Libations. I'm, I'm mindful about what I put in my body, but years ago I realized I wasn't being careful about what I put on my body, which of course ends up in your body. I was buying shaving cream and face washes that I thought were good because they had fancy French names or they were what everybody seemed to be using. But of course, these products are filled with chemicals linked to disease and toxicity levels never intended for human consumption. And I realized I want to eat food where I recognize the ingredients and I want my skincare to be the same. So enter Living Libations, not only the best and most effective skincare, hair, eyes, teeth, baby care products that I've ever found, but also the most natural. That means made exclusively with plants and oils and extracts that not only will you recognize, but you'll be able to easily pronounce. And they work, and they're high-end, and they're gorgeous, and the packaging is nice, and they are effective, and you'll be able to read it and feel good about what you're putting on slash in your body. Now that it's summer, having a natural zinc-based sunblock for Lila is so important, and so many of them that I found online claim to be natural, but they just aren't. Just look a little closer for words that have like nine consonants in a row and then a number. That's not natural. Just because there's zinc in it and 50 other chemicals doesn't make it natural. But their Love the Sun sunblock at Living Libations not only works, but we feel great about putting on our baby and ourselves all summer long, and a little goes a long way. This is a great way to support the show, because you probably have a face, teeth, hair, skin, eyes, maybe even a baby. Get something small, get something big. Whatever your skin needs, they have a premium, natural, and wonderful product to replace the random chemical nightmare that they sell at 7-Eleven. So for 15% off and show your support of the show, go to livinglibations.com slash weird. Livinglibations.com slash weird. And for those of you watching the video, you can see, probably recognize, I'm always wearing my Apollo Neuro. If there is one piece of tech that has changed my life the most in the past years and Val's, it's hands down been our Apollo Neuros. Apollo Neuro is a new wearable 
piece of tech that helps your body recover from stress by sending vibrations into your body that gives your nervous system the sensation of being touched or held. Apollo can help you relax, sleep, focus, and be more productive. It's like a wearable hug for the nervous system using touch therapy to help you feel safe and in control. Mine is running right now, and I love that I found this. It's like finding the fuse box for your emotions, for your feelings, for your body. You open it up. You can, you can wear the uh, Apollo on your wrist or on your ankle. The settings are energy and wake up. I use it all the time, especially when I'm driving or if you don't want more coffee. Social and open, great for parties. Clear and focus, great for work. Rebuild and recover, great for after a workout or a tense situation. Calm, great for meditation. Unwind, great for the end of the night when maybe you don't want to have a cocktail or smoke something. You can let your body relax you with the help of the Apollo. Uh, and fall asleep. I mean, a chemical-free way to lull yourself asleep or back asleep. I use it every single night. Apollo Neuro is not a woo-woo product. It's not a mood ring or a crystal. It was developed by a neuroscientist and a board-certified psychiatrist who've been studying the impacts of chronic stress in humans for nearly 15 years. And the Apollo's effects on stress, sleep, cognitive performance, and recovery have been proven in multiple clinical trials and real world studies. So give yourself a gift. Give someone you love a gift that's uh, struggling with stress or overwhelm like we all are and go to apolloneuro.com slash weird. You'll get 10% off. That's A-P-O-L-L-O-N-E-U-R-O.com slash weird. Use promo code weird at checkout for 10% off. Show your support for your body. Show your support for this show. All right, everybody. So thrilled to be back with Chris Gethard. Get into it. Me neither. Was that bad? No, that was great. I was saying hi, so but you kind of recoiled. Oh, no. Well, I want to make sure my phone's on airplane mode. Oh, full As airplane. Talk, yeah. See, if you were really LA, you'd go, do not disturb. Oh, is that the LA thing? I just feel like, because then they could still get you if they right. call you a bunch of times. Right. Okay. I oh. like that. I'm complimenting. Is that how do not disturb works if you call multiple times? But see, you, that you would know, denote that I think mm-hmm. there's an important call coming at any point today. When you I do? know there's not. No. Oh. Like if I had it on... If there was any element of me that thought something notable was going to happen, then yes. maybe I'd leave it on Do Not Disturb. But there's, just, I have nothing going on. I have nothing happening. So I can go full airplane mode. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no one's like, hey, wait by the phone for a big time call. It's not happening. You know how I know Chris isn't doing great? He went airplane mode. Yeah. Your life is airplane modable to put it in perspective and this is true <laughs> we're doing this and then i'm going to the airport so i can fly to chicago to sign autographs at an office fan convention at an office fan and i was convention. on two episodes oh, I remember. after corral left. we just watched there you go uh and we got and I'm happy so to excited do it. every time you were on is that a thing that's apparently a thing you haven't done it time. before haven't done it and as you can imagine i'm both like this should be funny and interesting and it'll be nice to meet some people and i'm also deeply in my head about it too why well because the office was not my show well yeah you're gonna have to there's a certain there's two episodes of it and i'm like oh you know definitely one of those things where i'm like oh they're paying they're paying pretty good and i have a kid so i guess i'll go do this thing that i don't i wouldn't say that i'm people don't think of the office and go yeah that chris gethard vehicle i you know when we watched it like so many we rewatched it recently. Everybody's mm-hmm. in a current 
state of rewatching The Office perpetually. A perpe- that's what I mean. I really think there's like a it's a phenomenon. It's well, it's like a mass hypnosis or a, or a mass compulsion is actually what it I is. I will say that I you know I was on two episodes after Steve Carell left. Stop saying that. Just and, no, as but, your no, agent. But just, to put just, it in perspective, <laughs> and I know, I know. Oh, you're saying no, and still. I'm saying the. I get stopped for that more than anything else yes, of in course. my career. Hey, you're that guy. You're the guy well, who you tried score. to hit Oscar with the yeah, pipe. You score. I, 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 and I, you're funny. I, I had a good moment. I had a good day on the set. But I mean, I've done other things. I know, you know, like I yeah. hosted a show on cable with my name on it for three years. No one brings that up. The office though. So yeah. based on me, I bring it up to say I was on those two episodes after Carell left, which, yes, yeah, self-deprecating joke. And I know you've seen me do that too much in my life. But no, no, no. I just I bring it up to say like, still good. I can't imagine what... Like the, the people who get? were on from the beginning to the end. Can you end. imagine being they, Kevin Malone? He probably can't leave his house. That's what I mean. Yeah. From the looks of him, I'm not going to make that joke. He actually lost quite a bit of weight. Oh, wow. Yeah, I saw him in a commercial campaign. But by the way, speaking of uh, a heavy joke that I skipped, that, that show certainly doesn't skip him. Have you watched it? It's jokes. What, what do you mean? Jokes. What are, you, what are you saying? I'm saying they make a lot of fat jokes. Oh, those jokes. They make a lot of fat jokes. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if they do that today. I wonder if the writers That's are going to do it today. You yeah. wouldn't do it today, I don't think. Yeah. But they were taking a note from the British office, certainly, that did not shy away. The joke is that you shouldn't make that joke. Right. Partly. Right. And then at a certain point, and I'm not even mad at it, but they, if somebody's heavy, you have to address it on the office, in the world of the office. Not just... Uh, um, Carell, yeah. who, who is the character that's supposed to be like, Foot and, and you, uh, whoops. Yeah. You know, yeah. but everybody by the end is like, and Phyllis, God help us if Phyllis gets a look at that M&M, it's right. gone. You know, and, and like Craig Robinson got bigger. They, they, they had to address it. It was not just like, hey, different bodies. By the way, this isn't shots fired, and I don't mean to put you on the no, spot as the all. spokesperson. Not for at it. all. But that is something I noticed. I will say, what do you think of this? Our boy, Zach Woods. Have you watched the whole office? I have. I, I, over time, I have. You're not one I of I feel like I've absorbed it all, but I haven't sat down and been like, we're on season six. I see. It's more in like, in the way that I think, just because it's on constantly, more like when I'm on the road, it's on in the hotel room all the time. It's on in the plane. It's on the plane all yeah. the time. So I've picked it up. I'm not obsessive like the people I will be meeting in Chicago this weekend. Are. That are going to say, do you still have that pipe? And they're going to reference things that I don't even remember. Yeah. Because for me, it was two working days in my life that I was flattered to do. Yeah. But it means something to people, and that's cool. Yeah. You know who you are? Oh, no. No, no, no. By the way, I opened with a roast. Like, I made fun of you because you were on the phone saying, like, this kid's great. He's going to be on SNL. And I remembered someone else you said that about. Yes. And I was like, oh, don't listen to Gethard. So I opened yeah. in a roasty way, but yeah. that's not the energy I'm greeting. Well, you really with. nailed I'm happy me. To you see really you. nailed me for my well known habit of trying to help younger comedians. And not helping them. I was, I was t- <laughs> <laughs> a and, few I've And ultimately a few not I've helping them. A, few, a bunch of Who did helped. you help? I mean, uh, no, I'm not doubting. I'm no, like, no, no, no. I, I will say. I, I was going to say, by the way, you're Sam Rockwell in Galaxy Quest. Thank you. That's high. Per- that's a great movie. But all, it is a great. It's a perfect yeah. movie. And also, he's the guy that was only on a couple episodes, but he goes to the conventions. Mm-hmm. Wasn't mean. It's true. It's just no. Comparison. I get it. Okay, um, so tell only because it's nice to talk about these things. Yeah. Who, who do you remember helping? Who? Because you helped me. You can include me on that list for sure. I think there were a bunch of people along the way. I will say, like you know, the Gethard show was this thing in my life that 
I look back on it, and even I now, half the time, half the episodes, I'm like, "What were we thinking?" My, and my name was on it. I would never do that today, but I thought that recently too because I did your show, yeah, and I saw a clip because of the internet. What a great thing, yeah. Well, we <laughs> had a childish Gambino record of, because of the internet. The internet because of the internet. I we washed our butts on your show. Yeah, we had bidets set up in front of a live studio audience, and, we and were I blasting did it. bidets into our butts. And for everyone that was there, yeah, they were there, but I was there, and I felt my butthole getting. Sp- squashed yeah wet squashed like not a splash not a squish but a squash you and i have a long history of talking about butt stuff you and i yeah well the last time you did the show we talked about eating ass and i did have one question now that you're married and have a kid i'm gonna guess it's on the menu less astute astute observation (laughs) i also feel like one of our early bonding things (laughs) astute uh boom boom (laughs) one of our early bonding i mean because you know Every, if they've heard me on the show before, they know I taught you in a class, and then you were, I think, put me up on my second stand-up show ever. Is that right? I forgot yeah. that part. Yeah, and uh, the f- second time I ever did stand-up was a show that you you were like, I know you're trying to do it. Come do it. Yeah. But also, in the midst of that, at one point, I got a colonic, and you found out about that, and you loved that I got a colonic. And I you did, loved that you got a colonic? You wanted to know everything about the colonic. And do you remember the story, the line? No. There's a pull quote from your colonic story. I don't mean on stage. I mean in real life. And it was this. And I don't think you're going to mind. You said, oh, maybe you'll mind. Maybe we'll edit this out. I don't know. But you said, I didn't know I wanted to diarrhea on a nurse's hand, but it turns out I did. Yeah. I I never imagined how good it would feel to just let loose onto a woman's beautiful hands. I was just like... But it was her job, and Stop. she was like, and she was guiding me through it, and she was coaxing me. She was figuring out almost like a now that I've it's seen, like being a baby. Listen, it's like being a baby. I was just gonna say I was in the room for my son's birth, and I'm not gonna compare it at all. But it's the closest yeah. I've ever had. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, this woman was like, "Come on, ease up, loosen those stomach muscles, let it go. Okay. It's okay." So I, I have gloves on. Everything's fine. You can do this. I will say for those of you who haven't had a colonic, it's it's when something is inserted in your butt. It's only the size of a pencil. That's what they tell you. You remember this? Because uh, yeah. I went to the same place. You went to the place I went. I think I got it first. You got it first? I think I got it first. I think I got Santa it first. Vita. Santa Vita, Vita in New York City. I was on their yeah. mailing list for years. Yeah, I finally unsubscribed. It sounds like a company that makes like the chip that goes I, in the Terminator robots. I felt Vita. like I told you about it. That feels right, but I think it's possible it went the other way. And a Gmail search away. Somebody told somebody, I'm sure. Yeah. But I think... I okay. Whoever did it first, I've gotten them since. You'll never go to a place that pooping is the thing that you don't want to do in front of someone else. Yeah, yeah. I shit my pants. Yeah, like I don't even love. There are guys at the airport, businessmen. I'm assuming blasting. Oh. They can't wait. I don't even fart at urinals. I I understand that it's a it's a gray area. Well, it's a dangerous game too. You never, I never fart at a urinal because that if because you, it might let loose the. I was once at a punk rock show in high school, and a friend of mine f- farted at a urinal and, sh- and shit. <laughs> and ever since then, I said that's the most dangerous game. Not hunting, <laughs> not hunting man for no, sport. No, no, no. Farting when you is- <laughs> when you shit your pants and you're four feet away from an unoccupied toilet. Because you had the hubris, you had the hubris to fart standing up. I'm gonna say, who do you think you are? I'm gonna say, you get you what you deserve. Oh, absolutely. I get it. In any court of law, 
a judge would side with the guy who farts in the in the in the because I can hear every guy that does it. I can hear him going, "We're in the bathroom." Yeah. If I was in there, it would be okay. And I'm like, "But you're not in there. Yeah. There is where you're covered. Your shame is covered. I don't have to see your face. I don't want to see your face. I don't want to see the face of he who farts." The Metallica. Album. See, we <laughs> we, we uh, <laughs> I would say I'm not offended. Like, I don't think it's a faux pas. Like, I, you're loosening up a lot of the muscles in that region. So if a fart comes out, I get it. That I like, but I hear to me, forced ones. I hear, like, oh, Miles see, Davis high notes. Those people, will they will stop that behavior. Because at some because point, at some point, life will teach how them. How old was your punk rock friend that was blasting a we were MXPX in, high school. in we his were in drawers? High school. We were in high school. <laughs> That's too yeah. young to be shitting yourself at a yeah. urinal. Yeah. Now? I know. Now Fine. I'm in my forties. It's okay. Now you're not even surprised. You're like, well, I had it coming. Like, well, listen, I've had a good I'm run. Not, I'll ask you since we're on this topic, and people are probably already like, they got here already. They're triple. This went. We didn't even answer. You were like, who are some comedians you've helped? And instead, yeah. we've just dwelled on. shit. We'll get to how you've been an angel. I'm in my forties. Is it normal to have to shit twenty four hours a day, seven days a week? Is it normal to just always feel like you have a shit? Okay. In You're there? in a special place. Because I'm going to tell you something. Again, I, I've never talked about this. Yeah. Can you relate to the idea that you could shit in your 40s? I could shit, but I'm going to let it congeal a little more. I'm going to leave it in the kiln. See, for me... I need it to fire more because it'll come out in like a huge, like one installment. Or I could have a bag of Skittles right now. Little deer shits. Does that... Do you know what I mean? Shits. Like, I'll literally go... I Like, to relate to you, yes, I could almost at any time. But I'm like, this one needs to stay in the oven. It needs 350. I've and had the recipe that. says 60 more minutes. <laughs> I've had that. And I've had the companion <laughs> thing of... Have you ever had it where you're like, I'm just going to... I guess I'm just going to get off the toilet because like, at some point I have to do something else today. This has to be done. I got to do something else today. So I guess I'll just walk around with the rest of this shit in my butt, even though I know you it's ever, still there. Okay, because of, phone, because of phones, sometimes you poop and you're done, but you want to finish your Wordle or right. you want to finish your scroll or, you or whatever to, it is. You want to avoid the responsibilities of life. life. Yeah. Facts. And you sit because you're already seated. Yeah. And then you poop again. Yeah. And then you go and you look at it and you're like, Oh my God. So if I hadn't been on my phone, I just would have been walking around with that. That was in my grocery bag. Yeah. You think about, I never think, but that was you. It was with you. Yeah. And sometimes I'm in a terrible mood and I poop and I'm like, everything's better now. Like I thought I was yeah. sick or I thought I was afraid of the universe. Sure. It turns out I just had to poo poo. Yeah. I 24 mean, hours a day, seven days a week. Like you I could, could poop right I now. could, right now. If we took a break right now, I could show it to you before I flushed. <laughs> Thousand percent confident in that. And by the way, I'm certain of it now. Yeah. That's most hours of the day. And you're saying most of your poos, you're just abandoning. Meaning you're going, I'm ending this like you end a, a series you're binging. Like you you see next episode in 15 and you're like, I'm going to call this a at night <laughs> I, i've heard that directors sometimes have the attitude of like the movie's never finished it just has to come out yeah it's abandoned and that's that's how you feel about your that's poos. how i feel about my bowel movements in my 40s i'm loving this i have noted that katie a younger woman is just not not I, i'm not judging i'm like i'm dying with relatability it's a yes she takes many i, see, I should in. i should oh I buy it and don't I, talk to me about fiber. Go ahead. I, well, I buy it. I and then I find I realize at some point, oh, I didn't commit to it, and now it's just taking up too much space in the cabinet. Okay, 
I have a couple thoughts. One, you can get gummies that have fiber in them. And that's like candy. Yeah. Which yeah. I'm saying if the if the choice is eating candy and getting fiber or not getting any fiber, let's go with the yeah. candy and fiber. Yeah. You can also take it in pills. I, I've also started putting it in my smoothie. Psyllium husk in my smoothie. It makes it a little thicker. Yeah. But when you sit down, bam, and you and no wipe necessary. And oh, WN. It's the best. I had a friend who used to call them. I had a friend used to call them white glovers. White gloves. So if you were in a tux with white gloves on, you could just <laughs> wipe your butt and you wouldn't see a mark. You sometimes you're so confident you're like, I know. And you Not just want to, I wouldn't. You know me well enough to know I've never been so confident but you, about anything. But sometimes you're like, I'm just going to wipe as a courtesy, just a sh- scoreboard. You just do to always see give, that this is an A+. You, you do always give it But you know it is. It's a white glove in that you're done, you pull up your drawers, and you want your assistant to double tap a cane on the ground to alert you that he's about to throw it to you. So it, and then he tosses it, and you catch it, and you go, I get no kick from champagne. Mere alcohol <laughs> doesn't thrill me at all, so tell me why should it be true? There's toilet paper on your shoe. Yeah. <laughs> I have toilet paper on my shoe. Which is the, in, the inverse of the eternal wipe, where you're like, I've pooped for 40 seconds, and I've Look, been wiping for nine minutes. What's happening Can here? I tell you my solution to the eternal wipe? Yeah. And look, I get it. We're talking poop. I'm loving it. Okay. Most people are listening to this in their car anyway. You know what I mean? Or yeah. on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. It's a little secret. That'll really... Two weirdos in each of their ears talking poops. Uh, yeah, You're you, not bored. You do a little cardio, that'll break it up. Yeah, exercise. That helps. Exercise. Little cardio helps. For sure. Yeah. Helps with everything. Yeah. Um, I nuke it. What does nuke it mean? Uh, you get a big old ball of toilet paper and you go and you go, ah! And that's going to be a mess, but the next one's going to be fine. Okay. Nuke it. Can you, I tell you? You another? abandon all. You've been in all sense of decorum in that in that wipe. Just a big and back and forth vigorous, like like cleaning uh, barnacles off a ship, like a power wash. A power wash. Yeah. And look, should I be ashamed? Maybe. Should I keep that to myself? Perhaps. Will you do it and go? God damn it, it works. Yeah. All right. And you'll be grateful. I'll try it. And your I'll life will be better. It. I'm also a fan of the pinch. Go in from the front and don't wipe. Pinch. Here's your butthole. Pinch. Much cleaner, much better. Okay. The pinch. Give it a Google, too. I didn't make it up. Are uh, you regretting saying yes to this show? I would just say that. I would say that if <laughs> I you saw look, a moment of regret. I would say if you look at the writer's room from the Get Third Show, I helped a lot of good people and I'm proud of it. Oh, you're going back. <laughs> you're going back. You launched, some, you launched some rockets. I wouldn't say I launched them. I, w- I would say that the th- thing I was always really proud about of myself in New York comedy was uh, I tended to have a sense of. Like this person's interesting and good, and if I can help them out a little bit on their way to something else, I would never take credit. But like, yeah, I believe Joe Firestone's first writing job, yeah, Julio Torres is second, Anna Fabrega, yeah, Will Miles, who is great. Like so, yeah. so many people who passed through. Yeah, that's the, great. I think the first time Joe Perro was on TV was my public access show. That Connor Connor O'Malley, I think, his first time on TV. Okay, some people were. I'm like, those are cool people, and I I I saw it, and I knew eighty percent of them. Let me say. <laughs> But I'm out of the loop, man. There you go. Are we, That's on are you. We, are That's we in Indiana? Because we're out of the loop. Oh, wow. It's like I moved out of Chicago. Chicago. I understand. You got it. Yeah, the loop. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. You're one of our finest minds. Do you ever get your... You are. Do you ever get your heart broken? Because I do. I, I get my what? heart... Helping. I'm a oh, helper, too. Yeah. I love helping. This could get dark fast. I don't want to... This could get dark. If you really? want to keep it positive. But, well, yeah. well, I'm very... 
What are you? You're like a, a vampire and you go, don't go in my parlor. I have to go in the parlor now. Yeah, no, I, I know you. <laughs> I knew what I was doing there. <laughs> We've known each other a long time. I just mean, I. it's actually beautiful. Let me say it in the beautiful way. I care. I care about my people. And in a zoom out far enough, we're all my people. But comedians, specific kind of freaky deekies, we deal with a lot of anxiety. Yeah. Sometimes people are like, why didn't you reply to my email? And I'm like, you don't know how it feels. To quote Tom Petty, I'm free fallen. Yeah. <laughs> that was a joke because it was Got already, it. you don't know how it feels to yeah. be me. <laughs> no, it's kind of two jokes. <laughs> I'm going to pat that instead of you. Um, <laughs> so, oh, there's an old used tissue in there. Julia Louis Dreyfus. Really? Yeah. Is that true? Would you like it? She stuck it in there? I, and you just she never was the last one it. here. She We're was here yesterday. That. We're going to leave that for everybody. That stays. That stays. DNA? JLD DNA? I knew there was a bet. This is a day off, man. This is a day <laughs> off. I'm, I'm having a great time. Good. So I care like you care. And sometimes I get my heart broken. There's a fine line between everyone has to do it like I do it. I sound like an old man. And then there is... I'm an old man. I just am an old man. There are things that are proven in show business to help. Mm-hmm. And those things can be bestowed... And sometimes they're adhered and sometimes they're not. And when they're not, I do get sad. I think about a lot. Mulaney said this on on the pod and I I think about it all the time. He goes, in every photograph in every comedy club, a black and white photograph, Robin Williams, Whoopi Goldberg, let's say Dan Aykroyd's there for some reason. In the middle, there's always one guy. Nobody could follow Lenny. Nobody could follow Lenny. Robin Williams is like, oh, here's the king. He taught me everything, right? And like, who is Lenny? I'm not saying everybody needs to be successful or famous or rich even. It just sort of pains me when I go, fuck, man, Lenny. It's a a recurring phenomenon, like rewatching The Office. Every scene, every generation has at least three, four, five of these people that you're just like, what was it? And what hurts me about it is I'm like, it's often anxiety, substance abuse, uh, or, or just a, a, a fuzziness that, that the American capitalistic system doesn't gel with them. It's actually part of what makes them beautiful. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But then when you put them in a showcase situation, they lock up. That's not what they were built for. Does that make sense? Totally does. I would also say... And I, and I feel like you might disagree with this. Can't wait. But there's some part of me as I've gotten older as well that goes, maybe those people were healthy enough to realize. The madness? To realize I, there's another way I can be happy. And if I can be happy another way, I think maybe I should go do that. Because there's a lot of unhappiness. And it's sad to realize that that doesn't stop. Okay, I didn't realize I was eating the most delicious ice cream because we just uncovered a swirl. I thought it was vanilla, but there's a sure. delicious gathered swirl. Maybe Le- maybe Lenny like went and got a day job with a retirement plan. Yeah, and has three kids. And can we say? And Lenny's great. And this is the other part of the conversation. I could give you a longer list. So yeah. there's Lenny's five Lenny's in every scene. Let's say there's ten. We'll call them Malcolms. Mm-hmm. There's ten Malcolms. Of those Malcolms, let's say Malcolms are comedians that are working that we probably know of, right? Yeah. A lot of them are fucking miserable. Yeah. Miserable. Yeah. So I love 
what you're saying. Because I don't think a lot of people pause and say, why? Why do I want? I want to be a successful community. Why? The answer is always to be happy. The answer is always, if I'm famous, I'll be happy. If I'm rich, I'll be happy. If I'm yeah. fulfilled artistically, I'll be happy. Yeah. And if Lenny went, wait, I'm happy when this, this, and this, and, and that's beautiful. Uh, my friend just told me about Jonathan Winters. When he retired, he would go on these little walks. He'd go into his hardware store and crack everybody up. He'd crack up all the ladies on the bus, on the bus bench. And he was like, that's all I need. If I had known, it turns out that's all I need. That's a Lenny, right? Perhaps. I mean, to be fair, four out of five Lennies are probably like, you know, dying alone in a gutter. <laughs> like Edgar Allan Poe. But it's a, one it's of a those, Poe Lenny. One of those five might just go be like a happy, well-adjusted person. That's and right. I and I'm happy for those people. Because there is And that's not a tragic tale. I agree. It's more tragic to ne- never know how to give up the chase when the chase is depleting you. It turns out the chase caught up to you. Right. Like you are were you chasing ch- are something. Are you chasing the chase or is so the chase far, chasing you? It chased you. Yeah. Like you were chasing a dream. Right. Because you wanted to pounce on its back. Right. But it lapped you on this little, t- the little right. prince tiny planet and it came behind you and collapsed you. Right. right. And we live in a world. I actually look, I don't, I'm not, this is not shots fired, but when I watch the underdog win an Oscar, which happens almost every year, mm-hmm. it's like a thing, and they go, don't give up on your dreams. I it it does bug me a little bit. It's it's. Do you know what I mean by that? I do. I I'm not I I'm not the guy that says give up on your dreams, but I'm like I always say follow the dream that's following you. You get feedback. Right. You're doing well. You're getting laughs. It, it feels right. But when you're just going like be famous, win an Oscar, look, it worked for me. That's like the guy going like. I ate only lemons and it cured my, you know, sciatica. Right. right. And I'm like, it's not, re- it's not totally, it's, it's, it's not reproducible. And it's not totally responsible, but it's also, it's not, yeah. I also don't want to yuck that person's yum in their moment of victory. I would do the same thing. <laughs> I, I am the same thing. I, by the way, I was just thinking my daughter yucks my yum every morning. Really? And I, I went like, when am I going to teach her? Don't yuck someone's yum. So it's weird that you said that. I totally agree. I would do the same thing. I've been saying this phrase lately. If I were you, I'd be you. Does that you, do you get the piece of that? Explain. If I were you, it's the most basic thing. Yeah. If I were Chris Gethard, if I were born with your brain, your family, your body, your life, I would be you. That's true. But do you see the piece in that? Mm-hmm. Like when someone's someone you don't understand, mm-hmm. your mom, your dad, whoever, pick your enemy if you have an enemy. If I were them, I'd be them. Yeah, you would be doing what they're doing, and if I won an Oscar and I was an underdog, I would get up there and go like, "Never stop believing!" Holy you, shit, yeah. it worked! <laughs> it worked, and it'll work for you. Yeah. It will work, like into camera. Right. It will work for you. Don't quit. I like, had a th- for sure, and I can see the part that's like, "Is that is that helpful?" I have a thought, a very unformed thought. It's in my joke notebook as one of those like sentence fragments, like a poop that right needs now. to stay in thirty more go. minutes. But. um <laughs> I had the thought recently that I think you'll like in this context of like, I think the most dangerous, the dangerous phrase, the, like one of the more dangerous phrases in all of literature is then they lived happily ever after. Yeah. That's like the biggest narrative cop out since it was all a dream. Cause you just end and it's like, no, no, no. Like yeah, the hero ends in that moment, Princess, like the Oscar speech, yeah. but like in two years. Well, 
I don't what wanna, are they going to be doing? I don't want five get... and ten and fifteen. And I'm I feel that there are people that, that famously there was a cinematographer that killed himself the year after he won an Oscar because that's a whole other challenge. You did the thing that everybody was telling you you should do. The Dread Private Roberts got Princess Buttercup. Guess what? New adventure. She's a loud chewer. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. As you wish. They got. Turns a, out you never yeah. had a meal with her and she's a <laughs> yeah. loud chewer. Guess what? Like 30 months later, they got in a fight over curtains. You know? Like, That's right. They he was had like, to of just course go, I want black. I'm the Dread dude, Pirate Robert. <laughs> I, still, I still sometimes have this sad thought where I'm like, I'm not suicidal anymore, but I do sometimes sit here and I go, I'm turning 43 this year and I might need to double that. And that's so annoying. Daunting. Yes. Like, why did med- why did they get medicine working so... G- I got to double this? Yeah, nanobots are going to clean I your arteries. I feel like everything yeah. cool is coming gone. Now listen. We could, we could unpack that, but I hear you. Professionally. I- now, my kid is a game changer and has rearranged my priorities in a lot of ways as, as, ways as well, which is great. But I do sometimes have that thing of like, 43 and I got to double this. I'm going to be so tired. I completely understand. For so long. I'm so with you on the drive-in today. Yeah. I thought I could see myself saying to Val dying is the best thing I've ever done. Like as I'm like slowly going out because think about it. No more emails. Yeah. You email me. Sorry, I'm dying. I don't even reply. Yeah. You'll just see on Instagram. Sure. <laughs> I, sure. Oh, I guess he was dying. Gone. No more phone calls. No more bills. No more teachers. No more books. Let me put this past you. A dark thought that I would not say to most people. I already agreed with you on the idea that death could be a relief. <laughs> no, because you've known me forever. Yes. And you knew me when I was like a semi-tragic figure in New York. As far as people being like, that guy's great and all his friends are getting jobs and he's not. You were there for that stretch. You were witness. Yes, but I thought you were the coolest. In fact, whenever I think about you, I think of how I said, thinking I was complimenting you, you're the best teacher. I hope you're doing this for 10 years. And you said immediately- Like you're going to give me like a fucking panic attack. Shut up. Something like that. You said, don't curse me. Yeah. There you and go. I was shocked. Yeah. Because I thought you were like Mr. Holland's opus. Like I I, right. I was like, this guy knows his no, strength. No, it turns out I had my own dreams too. Of course. <laughs> you know? But I thought like a teacher, you must live at the school and you must like teaching yeah, his ideas. And I do. Yeah, I sometimes I miss teaching. I miss teaching more than I miss doing improv. Yeah. By far, I would say. So keep going. So Tragic figure. I was there sweating it out it was fun stressful and then i got some success came and went at the public access show mr punk rock why is he doing it this way turned into the cable show been on some things hbo special like i've written five books at this point i'm in my 40s well that's more than one a decade it's true have you heard the phrase because it'll make you feel good everyone has one book in them almost nobody has two look at that almost nobody nobody has four yeah and two of them are good. Keep going. There you go. I'm just 100% JK. It's weird. No, no, no. Uh, no, but here's the thing is like, I live in New Jersey. That's a choice. Yeah. That's it, on the license plate, by the way. New it's Jersey. A choice. It's, it's a, a choice. choice. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great joke. Anybody who knows me knows I have like a real wariness with engaging with the industry. I have wariness of it always have some of that's probably rooted in some self-sabotage self-confidence issues some of it is also though like do i want to 
fight very hard to excel in a field where there's so many bad things happening. Like there are parts of me going like, I don't know, you know, on what level, you know, like I know, but your Weinstein's, your Cosby's, your people getting cornered and witnessing sexual assault. That's what you know, my mind went to as well, but I would also take the shallowness, the greed, all, oh, you know what I mean? Ego, I yeah, the, the ego, the ego, the self-aggrandizement. Asking, asking someone how they're doing and their answer is a list of projects that they have coming yeah. up where I just go, I can't, it's a, I can't feel okay. It's and a I'm not nightmare judging. It's for, an indigenous person would have on ayahuasca. They'd be like, I saw a horrible future. Right. Yeah, I get it. And uh, and it's it's hard for me to keep up with it and hard for me to want to, but... I do think, because I, you know, I haven't had as much relevance in the past years as I ha- used to when I was like Mister New York Underground guy. Mm. But I am like, man, like I put out a lot of stuff now, and I'm fighting hard to gain traction on it, and that's part of the gig, and that's fine. But when I die. I do feel like there's going to be a thing of people being like, this guy was making cool stuff the whole time. And I'm like yeah. alive now. And I'm like, oh, but people aren't noticing it. But I know, I know I'm going to have a cooler obituary. They'll like me when I'm dead. They're going to like me. Like my obituary and the articles are going to be a lot cooler than mm-hmm. my life currently feels. That's a huge epiphany. So Eckhart Tolle says the way you feel about, the way you feel right now, right now. Not yeah. a, later now that we'll feel this now. Yeah. The way we feel right now and everyone listening is how you feel about your life. Woof. But look at the possibility. Let's, let's tweak the levels. Let's get some gratitude going. Mm-hmm. Let's get some, like all the things you're dreading belonging to a system that hurts so many people belonging to a system that can suck your soul for lack of a better right. metaphor. Belonging to a system where I once had to push pitch a TV show to a uh, DJ in a neon hat. Oh my God. That one. This was after my show got canceled, and I had a pitch. And my buddy, my buddy, I told my I told my buddy I was I'm, I go I'm pitching this show, and he goes where? And I told him where, and he goes with who? And I told him who? He goes, oh, I've pitched that guy. He goes, have you ever seen his Instagram? I go, no. He goes, look at it. He's a DJ. Like his Instagram is all about how he's a DJ. And I went, and I'm not going to judge. DJs are A artists. network executive and a DJ? He was a network executive who his Instagram was just all his DJing gigs. And then he entered the pitch and he was wearing a neon hat. And when I tell neon you- Neon what? Pink. And when I tell you that, I, <laughs> I, as I walked out, I was like, I bombed that. And I knew I was bombing it. I couldn't, I couldn't for my own self-esteem pitch- not even pitch. I can pitch to anybody. I don't care how old you are. I don't care your experience level. I don't and I'm care not judging. What color your head is. <laughs> but I can't. I can't. This was also a person who immediately behaved in a way where I could tell his attitude was, "Why should I grant you my validation?" Mm. And I can't with that. Yeah. I can't with that. Yeah. I can't with that with anybody. I couldn't with that with Steven Spielberg. With Scorsese, yeah. I wouldn't want to validate myself. I would feel desperate. Let alone. A DJ in, in a, a neon hat. hat. If the DJ in the neon hat had great ideas and wanted to contribute to my idea, or had constructive criticism about like, here's why I don't think this is totally, but go tweet, I can do that. Yeah. If the DJ in the neon hat is like, I've got 15 minutes. I'm like, no, I have 15 minutes. Yes, I later. understand. We have different fuck you, I won't do what you tell me's. Yeah. Um, and that's Mine yours. is I'll live 3,000 miles away from the heart of the entertainment industry and then move deeper into New Jersey when it's time. That's my fuck you, I won't do what you told me. And I get it. Yeah. 
And I, I want to talk about that. And I, I, I just to, in solidarity, uh, my, yeah, that's. Is this for me? Yeah. I'm going to drink this. Nirvana water has HPV. HMB. Excuse I always me? say. P- did you just say it has HPV? HPV. No, HMB. It did sound that you. I did. Say, I did say it wrong. You said it. You briefly said this had genital warts. No, I said HMP. I think. I thought you said HPV. We all heard that. <laughs> no, HMB prevents muscle loss. So enjoy that. Well, I've. You know, I mean, anything I can do keep to keep, you- <laughs> keep this jacked frame and vitamin D three. You're not a friend of the sun. Drink that up. <laughs> Drink that up. This is designed for you. Feel super. Um, okay. What was I going to say? Oh, my fuck you, I won't do what you tell me is actually clean comedy. Because mm. I spent, and I, I'm only putting this back to you, I spent so much of my life thinking that if I didn't swear and was nice, I was holy. So now when I see, and I love all these guys, Gaffigan, Bargatze, like figuring out clean comedy. So why doesn't old Holmesy? Most people think I'm a clean comedy comedian anyway. Why not go after that nut? You know, and I literally mean that. Like, as a business decision, not an artistic decision, just a business decision, I could sell more tickets if I was 100% clean. Then I get in touch with my fuck you, I won't, my Gethard. And it's that wound. And I'm wondering what yours is. My wound is, I'm not going to fake it. I'm not going to pretend like life isn't confusing. I'm not going to let you believe that I was pure so you can continue deluding yourself that you're pure. I would rather you go, he was filthy or, or uh, you know, not filthy. You know what I mean? He was complicated and flawed and messy and afraid and angry and everything. And he wasn't ashamed. That's my gospel. I'm on stage and I go, no, project yourself on me because I know every nun, every whatever holy person in the car sometimes goes, fuck this guy, fuck his stupid face. And I want you to go, it's okay, you're yeah. okay. And that's my fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. And it comes from my churchy piety. Where does your nobody's gonna tell me I'm valuable come from? <laughs> or did that make you, what did that make you think? Well, I mean, I have my, see, I... I walk a line where I go, there are a number of things that I've drawn lines on in an effort to have some level of integrity. It feels important to me. Sometimes it feels like no one else cares. So I sit there and go, why do I do it? I'm making my life harder. Do it for the obituary. Yeah. Like, (laughs) am I doing this to feel good about myself? You know, when I think about things like, I'd like to play venues that are all ages instead of 21 plus. I'd like to play venues that don't have Ticketmaster so people can avoid those fees. I I, I like to, you know, things like that where I go, oh, that just means I make a little less money or it means I have to do more of the legwork, but I have that goal in mind. And, And even things like just the general broad strokes of it. I sit here, I go, there are some things that I don't participate in that have made it feel like I sweat money more because yep, it's easy. And I sit here, I go... You want to defranco yourself. Well, but I sit here and I go, is that because of some integrity that I have, which is something to be proud of, or am I convincing it? Am I convincing myself that's what it is because I don't have confidence? A self-love thing that we already talking about. Self-love, self not self-sabotage, like the opposite of self-sabotage is, for lack of a better word, self-love. Mm-hmm. 
Because it's not even self. It, love is almost like the wrong word. It's like self appreciation, self tolerance. I guess is I think better than even better than more accurate than self love. So, which is it? Are you doing it because of this flaw, and then going back and changing the narrative to make yourself more comfortable? Couldn't relate more. Right. I will say though, as someone who doesn't have those issues. I, I talk to fans sometimes and they're like, yeah, our tickets were $300. And I was like, just because it got bounced. I don't know why. Scalpers or whatever. Something maybe I could have, Chris Gether did, and made sure that shit doesn't happen. I don't know. I don't know if you can stop someone from buying tickets and reselling them. But what I'm saying is, these things come at a cost. I'm not making those considerations. And sometimes, I'll give you an example. I was reading the eightfold path of Buddhism, just a little summary of it this morning. And it was like thoughts, like being clear in your thoughts and your actions. And when I saw livelihood, I got a little twinge in my stomach because I was like, am I being as pure as I could be? Mm -hmm. So it's not free. You know what I mean? There is another, there's just another cloud in your consciousness potentially. And the cloud rains money. And that's, that's, that's nice, you know? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes it does. Yeah. It, I don't mean it raises money. Like, not as much as it used to. Like I had yeah. a stretch where the money was coming in and I really slowed things down. Some Sometimes intentionally for certain. Sometimes where I would go, oh, I took a swing and a miss and I, it had been a while. It had been a, there was a stretch where if I did something like it would get a little press in New York. It would get a little bit like, here's what he's up to now. You right. Know, like those days. Of he's so, on the move. Yeah. There was a little bit of that. With yeah. me. I had a Anthony DeVito, Anthony DeVito, who's a friend of mine. He's a comedian in New York. Really great guy. He, he made me laugh the other day. He was like, he was like, uh, we were in Edinburgh together last year and he said something that made me very proud where he was like, yeah, for a lot of my time in New York comedy, it's like, here's the club scene. Here's the alt scene. I know there's an uptown scene. What, what's who's coming out of that scene? Then there's also like whatever fucking Gethard's up to off in that corner, and that yeah. was like a little slot yeah. that I occupied. Yeah, I thought he was going to say the Gethard scene. There was a little scene, you know. There was a little. I had my own little corner of it, and that no, was very you nice. Do that really well, and I, I think did it. Can, it's not as it's not it doesn't happen anymore. as much anymore. No. I remember. I know we talked about this last time, but remember you were like, I remember you announced you were going to do a class. I think about it all the time. And you're like, and we're going to decide what we're going to do and we're going to do something that's impossible. Yeah. That's the most gathered thing. And it worked. And it worked? Yeah. I don't remember what it was. It was a class that we... It, the whole idea of the class was like... <laughs> we're going to do something impossible. And you said it. It's not Andy Kaufman because you don't... I, I, I like Andy fine. I'm not huge. I, I have... Issues? No, I had like an obsessed... My oh. whole high school college life Obsessed. i was like andy kaufman's the best i just don't feel the same there's a wickedness right to andy right there's an antagonistic side of it i see you being more like life is is absurd let's 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 give it back what it's giving us well what i took from him is he was one of those people that it was always funny and it also made you feel something else too yeah like an umami and with him, it was, <laughs> yes, yeah. like a new mommy, but yeah. with him, it was often like, you're going to be laughing really hard, but you might actually be pissed yeah, or you might actually be scared or confused, like these yeah. unsettling feelings. Right. And I think I really loved that idea of like, I want it to be funny, but I also might want to make them feel something else along the way. And, and a lot of, a lot of when I was at my best, a lot of it, I think that was where the Kaufman showed up. Right. And what was the impossible thing? So that was, a I mean, I basically... As you know, 
back in those days, improv classes usually capped at 16 people. Mm-hmm. And my basic idea was let's remove anything about improv that feels arbitrary and see what's on the other side of it. <laughs> so this idea that there's 16 people in a class, like that's a, that's a space and time and accounting issue, right? Yeah. So I was like, I'm just going to take anyone who's, who seems like motivated and good. So I said, just write me, like, here's an email address, write me an email while you want to be in the class. And then people wrote, and a lot of them were people who were very good and who explained. And then there were a few, a handful of people who I'd never heard of, one of whom was, had just gotten out of a level two class, but wrote this from an AOL email address, clearly signed it with a nickname, not a real name. And uh, all it said was like, um, it was like, I have to be a part of this. Uh, tell me who I have to fight. And I could just tell there's something. I said, this person's joining the class. They had just gotten out of level two and were threatening to fight everybody. Um, Anyone else. So we wound up with 27. Anyone else would go, this is not who to put <laughs> in dude, the Not only did I let him in the class, I was later the reverend at his wedding and he was the reverend at mine. It was, was my, it? It was my friend Murph, who was one of my sidekicks on the Gethard show. Oh, wow. I could sense from the email there's something special about this guy. Wow. How and, did he sign up? Do what's that? Remember? What was the nickname? Murph. His real name's oh. not Murph. Oh, he just yeah. wrote Murph. It just, yeah, and it just it said remained. M-U-R-F. And I was like, whoever this guy is, he's in. So we had 27 people in and the whole 27-person class. And the whole thought was like, how does this work? Let's look at every piece of how it happens and ask why. And then we'll decide if we need it. So like, come out and get a suggestion. Why do we do that? Mm. We do that to just start generating some content and probably to prove to the audience that it's improvised, right? Right, and to build a bridge between you and them. Yeah, so is, Involvement. Are, is, are there other ways to do that? Or is that a thing that's totally necessary? Or, do we, you know, like, how many people are in a show? Usually eight. Why? Well, that's probably because of the size of a stage in and Chicago back too. in the day, right? Yeah, you that want everyone Everyone can get enough speaking time yeah. and there's enough room. Yeah. Like, that probably related to the size of a theater. Mm. A herald is generally 30 minutes long. Why? Well, that's for an audience. Well, what if you get a suggestion and there's one person out of these 27 that has a 45-second monologue and we all listen to it and go, that was really inspired. Great, black it out. That's the show tonight. If it's a better show, can we all put aside that 26 of us didn't get to speak? And can we weather the storm that the audience paid five bucks and only saw a 45-second show? Are we willing to stand by that and say that was the best version of the show and you got your $5? Or is it going to be a four-hour-long show? Why does That suggestion led to so much stuff to dissect. Why should a podcast... This is my version. Why should a podcast be 60 minutes? Right. I don't understand. I started asking, why does the show take place in the theater? Well, because the audience needs to know where to go. Yeah. Well, okay. That's a pretty valid reason. Why does it have to stay there then? Like, right. And these weren't questions I was asking them. These were questions that we all were generating as a group. And then we got to these um, class shows that I was really proud of. And this was many, many years. This was 2008, 2009, before yeah. I, I largely left improv, but did a series of shows that I watched. Um, and the whole idea was that everybody came out and sat in the front row we taped out the front row because it was like, why does everybody stand on stage? Because they're part of the show. Well, what if you don't want to be a part of the show tonight? Or what if the show doesn't necessitate you? We're not going to start with everybody hard, up there. Hard ego questions. Right? You're really uncovering, the like the movie Don't Think Twice, how we all have a Keegan-Michael Key's character in us that we're like, I'm here to steal the light right. and take it. Right. 
you know what I mean? And I want to kill harder so I get SNL. And right. you're like, what if it's just for the show? Very interesting. Yeah, there was a lot of that. And and a lot of the people in that class were great and have, have gone on to a lot of success, which I, again, don't take any credit for beyond, I, I was always pretty good at getting a bunch of good people together and boxing out some space where they could experiment. So the performers sat in the front row. Yeah. And was it in a theater? It started in the theater. There were some nights where they took the whole audience outside with them. Very Andy Kaufman? Uh, a little bit, yeah. And there, very Steve Martin. There's one show where I remember, it's actually funny, maybe because we just mentioned him, he was on my mind. Maybe my favorite show was, uh, and I think you would love this. Whatever happened, the suggestion happened, some people started going out and speaking, and it somehow turned into some people talking about like things they always wanted to do as a kid and never have, and haven't done yet. Mm. And you know, some of those, I'm forgetting the exact specifics, but just like an example, people being like, I've never been off of the North American continent. I have to correct that, this and that. And then Murph walks out. Murph was also in a phase of life where every day he wore a white button down with a black tie. Every day. <laughs> every day. Like almost a manzookas. A little close. <laughs> um, but when he started doing my public access show, someone once called up and started call, making fun of him, calling him the reservoir dog, which I thought was the best. Just the best. I also would have done Mormon, the Mormon. So, there you yeah. go. There you go. But reservoir but, dog... A hundred times better. So, dude, so Murph just walks out on stage, and Murph's a bigger guy, and he's like a he's like gravel-voiced guy. He's a drinker and a smoker, and like if you saw him, you'd go, that dude looks like, he, you know, he's one of those broad-shouldered guy where yeah. you're like, that guy probably throws back a whiskey, and you're Get right. that guy a kielbasa. And he walked out on stage in, a, in, a, in the context of a comedy show, and he was like, there was a kid in my neighborhood growing up who could do a standing backflip. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the entire world. And I've never told anyone this, but when I was a kid, I said, I'm going to do that someday. And I think about it and it's, I still remember the feeling of like how cool I thought it would be if I could do it. And I've never done it and I've never even actually tried. Mm. And tonight on stage, I just, I'm going to do a standing backflip. And he's this like bigger out of shape guy. I need, <laughs> you can feel the whole crowd is like, no, 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 no. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm going to do it. And then it's like other people in the class. It's no longer an improv show. It's people going like, dude, like, like you, you get really, it's going to be really bad. Like having this discussion on stage, nobody's playing characters. One guy walks out and he's like, he goes, this dude, Matt Mayer, great guy, great guy, really great guy. Um, walks out, he's like, Murph. He's like, I was the mascot in my high school. Um, like he used to wear yeah, the, co yeah, and he's yeah. like, and I trained, like, he was like, I trained as a gymnast. Do you really want to do this? Cause it's hard. Yeah. I've done it. It's hard. And Murph's like, I got to try. And everyone knew Murph enough to, to here's, <laughs> we could go on so many tangents. I'm on the set of my seat. <laughs> he, I thought the gymnast was going to be like, you can't do this. He, like, you can't. Oh, do he it. straight up was like. Like, it's not difficult. He, he was like, you're the Kool-Aid man. You're going to flip and smash. Well, it became be this really everywhere. gripping thing for the audience. I was up in the tech booth watching the whole thing. And it became this really gripping thing where it was like, what do you do when a person says, no, I'm going to try? And then he, this kid Matt stepped in and was like, well, I've done it. And it's hard. And I don't think you can do it. Yeah. But I know you. And if you're really going to try, and he starts going, Murph, the main thing... <laughs> No. This is, dude, a, an, no. a, a show that an audience has come to a comedy theater for. He's like, when you're doing a backflip. No, he starts giving him a tip. Goes, dude, now he's the threat. He goes, the guy giving listen, the tip is now the, he's like, the joker. When you go to do a backflip, your body thinks something really wrong is happening. 
So the whole trick is he's he's like he's like the whole trick is your body's gonna want to correct, but it's not a thing you've done, so your body doesn't know how to correct. So you have to mentally be strong enough to tell your legs to keep following the momentum you sent them in, even though your body wants to bail. Your body doesn't want this to be happening. Your instincts, so you have to mentally correct your own instincts. Murph's like, all right, all right. Do you, and dude, these conversations go on and the whole audience is just like, what is happening? There's like some small moments of tension relief, but the credit, not to me, to this class, these 27 people never felt any need to be like, but before that, let's take a break for a character. Like none right, of it, right, you know, right. just like this. Nobody came out and was like, oh, do you have a friend who's at risk of doing a back break? Right. Let's do a commercial yeah. parody. No, if no. you get injured in an improv show, call 1-800-FUCK-MY-FACE. You know, like none of that it's shit. It's all there. None of that shit. It's low hanging. You know, and, yeah. and we've all done it. We've all seen it. And dude, he eventually fucking tried. And he went up. <laughs> it didn't even make it a third of the way through the rotation and came down on his head and neck. And then he's just laying on the stage. And the whole room went completely silent. And I was in the tech booth and I was like, I've killed a man. He signed up for an improv class. Killed him. He just got out of level two and now he's dead. Because I thought it was cool to remove all the rules. And I had this brief 10 second window where I was like, Oh man, is dead because he took my improv class, and people paid to watch it. People paid five dollars to come and watch it. He killed him. He killed himself. The man in the shirt and tie is dead. The reservoir dog. The reservoir dog is dead. He's dead. He's dead on stage. <laughs> <laughs> and we were there to watch the crunch. It he a, he it leapt. It was a comedy show. He leapt from the building that was himself. He tried to. <laughs> he and leapt. He, and I thought it was really beautiful in a way. Cause, and then he started moving again. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> and the crowd felt this relief. And then, But then the rest of those 26 people attacked the comedy show side of it after that. And it was huge laughs and all this adrenaline Attention and energy. And, yeah. and like, you know, almost I would argue like a little bit of like, oh, you took a different drug tonight. You know what I mean? Like you, you're used to smoking weed and you took meth tonight and, yeah. and you're on that high, that high now audience, yes. you know, and everybody in the crowd just, cause you know too, like, and again, I'm just being so nerdy about this thing I haven't even done forever, but like an improv audience watches the show and they're trying to figure out what's going to happen next. That's part That's of part what of it. great improvisers can stay a half step ahead of an audience's. They, they put the pieces of the puzzle together before the audience sees how they fit together by right. a beat. Right. And it's that wave that you're surfing of like, if, you got there and you got there when they were already having the thought and you defined how it was verbalized. Yes. Like, it's not like you got there so far ahead that they went, wait, huh? If you get there at the exact same moment, no titillation. You're at the you're surfing and you're at the front of the wave and they're that curl, right? Like that's yeah. the audience. And if you can just stay just ahead of the curl, that's the best improvisers. But a show like that, the crowd was just like, I I'm not I am I'm not even gonna bother. Where's, I'm not even gonna bother trying to keep up with this. And, and what that a was relief. How, that was how I always thought as a teacher. And I, I would argue um as a comedian. As yeah. a comedian, that was always kind of there. 
Whenever I buy something, I always do my research, especially if it's something I'm going to ingest inside my body, because doing research before you buy means making better, more informed choices, especially when it comes to something like a stress or a sleep product like CBD. And that's where Next Evo Naturals, my new favorite CBD brand, knocks it out of the park, which isn't always the case. A study by an independent lab confirmed that some brands contain up to 60% less CBD than they claim on the label. But with Next Evo, you can trust you are getting the best of the best. They use smart sorb technology. Trust me, if you have tried CBD in the past and you weren't impressed, Give it another go with Next Evo. Smart Sorb, is, <laughs> Smart Sorb has been proven to have 30 times better absorption in the first 30 minutes and four times the overall absorption as other products. And you can tell. Their stress gummies, which are CBD and whole plant ashwagandha, are lifesavers when I'm feeling overwhelmed or anxious or if that stress manifests in my body in some tight way. If I just can't get on with my day, face my inbox, handle company coming over, they are my secret weapon to round the edges and get me back to feeling ready to face my day. If you've tried it before, I swear Next Evo is different. Gets in fast, you know how you feel, so you can dial in the dose and get it just right. Upgrade your CBD and show your support of the show. Go to nextevo.com slash weird to get 20% off your first order of 40 bucks or more. That's 20% off 40 bucks or more at nextevo.com slash weird. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Like before I went to therapy, for real, I had no idea what codependency was or how to end a relationship in a healthy way or set up boundaries with family and people I worked with. But that's what therapy is all about, deepening your self-awareness and your understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk things through with a professional. That's what BetterHelp does. They connect you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. It couldn't be easier because the more you know about yourself, the more easily you can maneuver through life with less suffering and more clarity relationships, grief, loss, anxiety, you name it. Talking about it with a professional is greater than the sum of its parts. We always say that on the show. It helps. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch at any time for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com dot com slash weirdo today to get 10% off your first month. That's better H E L P dot com slash weirdo. All right, everybody back to Chris. Let's talk. Let, so scary though. Tell me, was Murph in the rest of the show? And, and for, he sat out a lot of it. He was, he was very hurt. <laughs> he was very hurt. Uh, and then I, I, from what I remember, the show it. did end with the rest of the cast did pick him up. And rotated him on stage. Oh um, my god! In a way that was pretty cool. Yeah, no, that's breathtaking. This, yeah, you just it was pretty artsy, fartsy, but it was cool. We all just watched a documentary called Murph, dude. The Murph Murph's, documentary, Murph's flip. I mean, I wish. Well, no, you, I'm glad it wasn't filmed. Listen, I uh, know. Me too. I'm glad it wasn't filmed. But like, we did a thing too, so everybody got into that. Now I'm just rambling about an old improv class, but. 
just another Murph story that gives you a context of who he was at this time. And yeah. he's shared this publicly, so I don't think he'll mind. I love that you have to say that because it makes me excited for Dude, the story. So we did. He's like, talked about it. Well, he, all these people got into the class and then there was like a month or so before the class started. And I was like, well, let's not waste time. Right then I was like, why does the class have to start on the day the class starts? Why does the class have to start in person? So started a big email list and I was like, let's do some assignments. And some of it would be like, bring a thing that has inspired you artistically we're all going to meet up and trade them. So somebody shows up with like a Charlie Chaplin DVD set and somebody shows up with, you know, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And I was participating in all this because I was like another arbitrary thing. The teacher, why does the teacher not do the thing? Like, yeah. like okay, here, I, here's this boxing match that I really am inspired by. I'll give you that. You give me this book. It's like things like that that were almost like a book club, which I thought was uh, very cool to start the class yeah. with a shared sense of thing. And then one of them was, okay, like, do a thing that's outside of your comfort zone that you normally wouldn't do and then write about it and reply all to this email list. And we'll all just get a sense of each other's comfort zones and how you push through that comfort zone, which has major applications mm -hmm. in, in a class where you're learning art. People coming in. I remember mine was, I had an afternoon with nothing to do and I was walking past Penn Station and I was just like, huh, I'm supposed to do something I don't normally do. And I just went to Penn Station looked at which train was leaving next on the Long Island Railroad and just bought a ticket to like Ronkonkoma and went and went to that station and there was a bar and I went and had a soda and then I got back on the train and it was just like do something to just disrupt Can I, the algorithm of your day. I've you been know? thinking so much. I, I, we're going to stay on this. I'm yeah. not a long interrupt, but I've just been thinking lately about the value of disruption. Yes. And it's crucial. It is huge crucial i was depressed for like four days in a row and you're gonna laugh well, you're not gonna laugh because you're a sweet man but like it might surprise you how stupid the, the thing that snapped me out of it was i i was with my beautiful family doing shows exercising yeah. eating right Still. getting sunlight meditating reading learning growing socializing and what snapped depressed. me out of it depressed and what snapped me out of it was and I already talked about this on We Made It Weird, but this will be a couple of weeks later, was I went on a $100,000 pyramid. This is what's important, though. It wasn't the special boy. That's normally the drug I would do yeah. in that experience. I'm a special boy. They have me play games on TV. It wasn't that. It was backstage with one of the writers playing the game, just warming up. It wasn't that I was with another celebrity. It was just me and him playing the game. Yeah. Heart-jacked, sweat, like elevated. And I was like... Oh my God, like like licking a nine volt battery. Like something just shocked me yeah. and I came back into my life. Yeah. It, by the way though, why that? I do cold exposure? It should have been that. That's literally a jolt to your system. Sometimes it. it needs to be some, it has to be a jolt that you're not usually jolting. Stand up is the jolt I'm always jolting. When I was horrifically depressed, which has happened a few times in my life, but in 2007, I started seeing the shrink that I still see and- I remember she said to me, okay, one of the first things we're going to do, she's like, uh, so you live in Queens. You got your subway stop, right? I'm like, yeah. She's like, how do you walk home? And I'm like, well, if I take the 7 train, I walk, I take it to 69th and I walk down Roosevelt to 67th. If I take the E or the F, it goes up to 73rd and I walk down Roosevelt. She goes, this week, never walk that way and never walk the same way twice. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, just even if it takes five minutes longer, 10 minutes longer, when you go home, don't walk the same path twice this week. Just walk down different blocks. Yep. And it was 
it didn't solve what was a very bad stretch of depression that led me to seeing a shrink. But all of a sudden you're like, oh, there's trees on this block. Yep. Oh, and the leaves are changing colors. And I never walked down this block. So how would I have seen that? Right. Or like, oh, there's a restaurant on this block. I never That's eaten right. here. Oh, that I should eat at this place. I didn't even know this was this close to my house. Oh, look, it's like a it's like your family. Your you know, I lived in Queens too. Oh, this is a Colombian family must have opened this place. Yeah. And I didn't even notice they opened it. I should go support them. I should go try this, you know? Like, it's like before you feel it, you're doing it. Yeah. Like what a happy person would do is that. So you're doing it, and you're also doing what you want your brain to do. You want your brain, like a grid in Manhattan, to form new connections. You're thinking in a way that's stuck. I'm going to manifest that in the third dimension, like in physical reality. I'm going to start moving yeah. differently. And then the brain mimics it. It's one of those things like walnuts are really good for your brain. Walnuts look like brains. Like what the fuck is going on here? There's clues. So I was just thinking about that. Reggie Watts did this show and he was like, that was one of his things. He was like, drive home a different way. Yeah. And then I was thinking about the way that charges move around your brain. We want them to change. It keeps doing this. And this is making me sad. Pyramid, as arbitrary as that is, made it shift. Uh, walking home a different way makes it shift. And I was just thinking about that yesterday morning in the car. Because uh, I, I fall into traps too where I sit here and go, okay, I just got bad news about a contract. How am I going to pay my mortgage? I'll be fine. Think about it. The contract's still like, okay, you took a pay cut, but it's not big enough. You can still pay the mortgage, you know, like, okay. And you dwell on a thought like that. I have a kid. Mm -hmm. He's four pay cut. What, where can we tighten the belt? This and that. And I go, sometimes if I go, I'm going to get off, the, I'm driving home and I'm going to get off the highway one stop earlier and figure out the local roads. I can't sit here and think about mortgage, pay cut, right. kid, that's daycare right. costs. Because right now I have to go, is it right or left? And that's what I need to deal right. with right now. And that's a simpler and easier thing. And sometimes that can let me out of mortgage, yes. kid, pay cut, ego, shame. Yeah. What did I do wrong? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Sometimes just needing to know, oh, wait, this road. Oh, I think I know where I am. Okay. I have to deal with that now. Mm. And it's replaced that thought. Okay. Just to relate i was i have a hot tub i love it mm -hmm. it's uh, a very simple one it's called a soft tub i recommend it mm -hmm. I, they're not a sponsor i'm just saying like it's just okay. a, it's just a circle it's lightweight plastic you fill it with water very low-fi it's hot water i get yeah. in it yeah i'm in it this morning what am i doing i was taking what i know our average credit card bill is and multiplying it by 12 <laughs> just to see just to go like yeah wow that's how much we spend a year just on the credit card. That's not bills. That's not mortgage. That's not all that stuff. So exactly to your point, you can be in a hot tub, but if you're stuck or like get off the highway one stop earlier, maybe instead of getting in the hot tub, and I actually can agree with this, I should have gone on a walk and gone a route that I had never gone before. Because if the hot tub has fallen into that level of routine. Yeah. You've, developed, you've almost developed an immunity to what it offered you when it when that's you right. first got into it, right? right? Like you've built a tolerance in the same way you can build a tolerance to a medication. That's right. You've built a tolerance. Exactly. The hot tub no longer feels so simple and joyous that it breaks you out of it for that's 30 right. seconds. And so if something you came else over has to for now. and got in the hot tub, you'd be like, this is incredible. I got to get a hot tub. And I'm like, interesting. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like I have it. And sometimes I'm in there going like, what times 10 is? Okay. And then there's two more. Fuck. <laughs> you know, yeah. like this. Yeah. Okay. So Murph. Oh, Penn Station. So, 
Murph. I go and take the train. Email it out to everybody. I got on a random train. I went to a random town in Long Island. I looked around a little bit. The next train back came in 20 minutes, and I spent 20 random minutes in this town by myself. No one knew I went. Mm. Just had that as a day. It's little like breaking disruption. The ma- it's like breaking the matrix. Yeah. Oh, it's they- like they're watching. Christoph in the Truman Show is watching and going, what? Exactly. It doesn't make sense. And you're like, ha. And there's other people emailing in, you know, I forget the exact amp- examples because this was in 2000. Nine or ten, but people saying like, I realized I had a sick day from work, so I just took it. I realized I'm, it's towards the end of the year. I'm not, so I just took a sick day, mm. and I went to a museum on a work day, mm. and I didn't apologize. And you know, people saying that again, Murph, who at this point, remember, it's before the class. We have We have not met in person yet. This is pre-flip. Murph. He's a level two student with an AOL email address, <laughs> and we only know him as M U R F. We don't know his real name. Yeah. None of us have seen him. These are this the is classics true. like Johnny. You know, oh, there's just dude. like people at UCB. I used to live a more Bowery Poetry Club lifestyle we, yeah, we where did. I knew people. I'm not I'm not judging, labeling, or distancing myself from them. I just knew people. His name is J-A-W-N-E-E. Johnny. And that's all I know oh, about him. all these people. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. here we are talking in the green room. I made a lot more. I think I made a lot more sense in that world than I do in the current my current state of engagement with entertainment. But- We'll talk more about that later. From an outside perspective, disagree. We'll get to it later. So Murph's email comes in for this assignment. I think it was assignment like seven or something like that. We did the early icebreakers, and now we're up to number seven. And he goes, so I was really drunk last night and uh, really out of it. And I got on the train, and the train was just sitting in the station. It wasn't moving, and I had a lot of whiskey, and... uh, This woman came up to me and she was clearly pretty troubled. And she says, uh, hey, uh, do you want to sleep with me for money? And he's like, no, I'm I'm good. Thanks so much. And then she went down the other end of the train. And then I sat there and I said to myself, hold on, assignment seven. And I'm reading this email and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And then he basically said that for a few dollars he said i don't need to i don't want to finish but if i give you five dollars we just like stick a hand in my pants <laughs> and i'm reading it and i'm like i am the teacher of this class and then immediately it came in and when i i mean within minutes there were other people going like hey um i don't want to feel like i have to match that bar like this is too and then he's writing back he's going look everybody we haven't met yet and you're gonna learn that this is before they had met. no one had met and he's like, you're going to meet me and you're going to learn that if the assignment is for me to get out of my comfort zone and do a thing I've never done, I've lived a lot of life. Like he's this mystery man. And we met him and that proved very true. And, but that was one that Miyagi, I actually went. Miyagi with the hand down his pants. Dude, at that point, Will Hines was in charge of the school and I actually went to Will and I said, uh, so a thing happened and I think you're going to hear about it and you might need to fire me. <laughs> You are... He was like, the class hasn't started. It hasn't met yet. What do you say? I was like, so a guy... Why everything you say <laughs> yeah. should be followed by a black title card and it says Gravitas Pictures. <laughs> like everything you say with the wine napkin or Fox Searchlight. There you go. Everything you say, you yeah, walk, in, like, shooting the you walk yeah. into an office. Exactly. You walk into an office and you go, something's happened. I think you're going to hear about it and you might need to fire me. Gravitas Pictures presents... And then but it was true. the flip, it's this, you're, what it is, is 
it's cosmically gorgeous because it's true. We do live in a very wild, our kids show us this, my daughter's four as well, wild, um, when I say reasonless, I don't, I don't mean that existentially necessarily. I just mean like we're imposing these rules. Podcasts are 90 minutes because TV used to be 30 minutes to sell advertisement because we needed to quantify and we're like two episodes. So there's all this, there are all these assumptions going on. It's like Don Draper says, you're born alone and you die alone and they slap a lot of rules on you to make you forget that, but I never forget. Yeah. That's his mission statement. And it applies to all society, Pete. That's what I'm saying. You're all reminding society. people as the mischievous artist, as we should be, what are you, what are you talking about? We're, as I always say, we're on a planet, but that's real. But we're also members of awareness. We're, we're members of a thing that are aware of each other. So you could think of that as like a field. And we're walking around. And like, I understand maybe some people are, get a little uncomfortable with the hand down the thing. What it does for me, like a good performance art, is it reminds me that art can be a naked woman in a room screaming at a chicken. And we had a, I've said this a million times, we had a better sense of that in the 60s. Yeah. And now when I watch Black Mirror and stuff and, and they have the guy in the room and every wall of his room is a screen. And I'm like, your awe, your wonder, your potential for novelty, your potential for disruption, your potential to do something that the Kristoff in the moon watching you on the fake TV show, your ability to disrupt that is being taken and I don't even mean this in like a scary way. I just mean it in a literal way. We think, what's the problem? I'm bored. I'll look at my phone while I take a dump. I just told you I do that sometimes. But when you don't and you let the boredom in, sometimes you remember like, it's almost like waking up from a dream briefly. You go like, wait, I don't, I don't have to be on this conveyor belt. Yeah, I can get on the train. Yeah. And go to that weird town. And things are tenuous. Things are tenuous. Yeah. And even like red lights, the only reason they work is because we all agree to yeah. stop. Yeah. But some maniac could just lean on the gas That's and right. go right through it. That's right. And maybe there'll be a big crash. Or maybe he'll just go through the intersection and everything will be fine. You That's know, a like, New York City thought. I'm trusting my life to this cab driver and he seems very tired. All the time. And yeah. we don't realize we're doing it. Like, you'll love this, so I... Well, you're trusting me to a certain extent. Obviously, you know me, but I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm actually trying to inspire people. When I've done this on stage a couple of times. Remember that go story. Yeah. I go, people are afraid of flying because they don't want the airplane to crash. But you're never not in this airplane. And I put my arms out. You are never not in this airplane. Yeah. You, and really, that's just reminding you you're an awareness in a vehicle. You're an awareness in a vehicle. And that's not, it should put a, a oomph in your day when you go, if we're never safe, we're always safe, if that makes sense. Yeah. Meaning there's only one level of safeness and it's the only one there is. So don't worry about it. <laughs> it everything you just said, it, I have started, I live in a very small town in New Jersey now, and I've started volunteering as an ambulance driver on Tuesday nights. Yeah, this is the most Chris Gethard thing I've ever heard. It's kind of my favorite thing I have going in my life right now. It's out of my family. Yeah. It's kind of the thing I get most excited about. The ambulance. The ambulance. 
and I do it on Tuesday nights. But everything you just said, think about that, Pete. Like, there's people who they call 911 when they're in moments of extreme duress and fear. You don't dial 911 when you're on the fence about it. Right. Nobody does. Yeah. People generally want to avoid calling. If you can drive yourself to the hospital or your spouse or it's whomever. Like six grand or something. Right. Like, it's no, bit, this is a free service, it's a volunteer. I'm Point glad. being, though, right? Like you have your SAG rate, though. <laughs> I do. I have my SAG minimum. I work at the minimum. Your agents no, but, can get some of that. But point being, like these people are dialing nine one one, and they assume the people showing up have some level of authority, competence, and competence. And look, I've been trained, but it's still me. It's still the guy who was on TV with you a couple years ago, blasting bidet. bidets yeah. into our butts. Right. And I show up and I try to here. help people. Imagine if someone like in a real state looks and goes, bidet I've had, I've had this joke on stage. Someone's final words are going to be, aren't you the boss from Broad City? And it's going to be so sad when it happens. Like that's been my joke. And that's it. how they know they're going because they're hallucinating. They think that. They're, that like, they're you played favorite. a lot as boss on Broad City. And that's Broad someone's final words. I have a whole bit about this, but... <laughs> The, in the context of this conversation, though, I just want to point out to you, like when you're saying we have this assumption of safety, yeah, it's like, no, I now participate in a thing where I know these are very well-intentioned, good-hearted volunteers who show up because other people need them. Yeah. And the I'm a driver. It's lower um, commitment. Like the EMTs certainly do take classes and they have to re-up. But a lot of them are also retirees. Yeah. People in their 60s. That want to feel meaning, purpose, but maybe they're bored. And, and maybe who, they're lonely. Com, and, they're people. Uh, right. And it's a social thing in a way. It's their social network as much as it is this thing to help. Yeah. But when you're having a heart attack, it's not their social network. They're showing up with an AED machine, hooking it up to your chest and electrifying your heart. Yeah. And it's made me take a step back and realize so much of society is hanging on by a string like that. Yeah. And we're convincing ourselves that there's infrastructure to well, help that's us. That's what uniforms are. Uniforms are like, I'm not a guy, I'm this uniform. It's, like, I, it's what a judge, a judge wears a robe to, and we stand to because we're co-conspiring to create a reality. This person is fair. Right. And that reality goes both ways. We believe it, so we feel good that there's a judge. And the judge is affected by the rising as well and his robe as right. well. Whereas the judge like... He takes he like, a shit and yeah, he does he like the blitz. Jerked off to some porn he wasn't expecting to like yesterday. Right. You know what I mean? Like That's he right. was just like, oh, I like that. Yesterday, the judge, the guy who's deciding That's the Bill Burr how long he's like, you go to jail. There's you a know? guy on stage telling me I'm going to hell. And I'm like, he's just some guy. Yeah. He likes soccer. Like, yeah. And I was like, he likes soccer was a line that really stuck in my brain. I really am pretty convinced that we're perpetually closer to living in a Mad Max-like reality. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I'm just like, oh, now that I participate in this volunteer organization that's underfunded, that helps people, mm -hmm. and I see that people rely on it and they don't even think. Like, I think people think we're sitting at the firehouse waiting for the call. And then the door goes up and we jump in the ambulance and we get to you. It's like, like Paw Patrol. It's like, no, yeah, exactly. Like, like I'm Chase, and yeah. it's Chase and Ryder and uh, yeah, well Marshall. Yeah, 
Rocky and Rubble. We're both fathers. We're both fathers. Sky, Liberty. We're both fathers. But it's no. Like, dude, like, I'm the EMT on Tuesday nights. If someone in my town calls, I'm not an EMT. I'm the driver on Tuesday nights. If someone in my town calls 911 on a Tuesday night, like, I'm home watching Ted Lasso with my wife. Wow. And I throw my pants on. Wow. And I run out the door and I drive to the fires and I get there. And that's. Wait. Society is the ambulance in your driveway? No, the ambulance is at the firehouse. And I have seven minutes to get there. And if it goes, if the pager goes off at four, my shift is 7 p.m. till 7 a.m. If it goes off at four in the morning, I wake up and I get out of bed and I'm running. I sleep with my shirt and my socks on, but I throw my pants on and I run to my car and I'm driving to a firehouse. And there's two EMTs from other parts of town doing the same thing. And the person who called 911 thought it was Paw Patrol. They assume, I did. They assume, you assume that those people, and in some places, now look, in cities it is. In cities, these are paid positions, but there's places like volunteer fire squads, volunteer ambulances, and soup kitchens, and drug harm reduction centers, right. and all I these places are COVID, just- Whenever you go to a COVID test, that's when it became very clear, you're just some guy. You're a schmo. You're a schmo. And God bless you, you're trying. You're well, doing, I don't mean You're doing schmo. more than I can, I but you're a schmo. We're schmoes, but you yeah. are over there- and maybe you went a little too deep with the prongy prong. And there you're you go. Just some guy. You're a guy. I've been thinking you about that. You look at Reddit too much. Right. You worry too much about your fantasy football league. You didn't understand Eternal Sunshine. And you're <laughs> and you're testing me to see if I have a plague that might kill me and my family. Yeah. And that's all of society all the time. It's another way of looking at we're all in airplanes. Yeah. And what we have is each other. And it's all red lights. It's all red lights. It's all a co-conspiring. So be careful what you're co-conspiring to create because the good stuff is all in agreement and the bad stuff is also in agreement. Meaning, not to get too metaphysical, this whole thing is a reflection of what the mind is choosing. Does that make sense? It does. The mind is choosing this, the world looks like that. The mind chooses this, the world looks like that. Constant rationalization. And just like you. Is it my fear of this or is it my punk rockness? I'm the same way. And those are just the issues that we have a semblance of an idea of what we're doing. Yeah. Like, I think it was Freud or it might've been Jung, but it's like the subconscious is the iceberg. Like we don't even know why we do anything. Yeah. And that's why advertising, influencing, all these things work is because it's in the realm of symbols. Mm -hmm. I read an email, I go to bed, I have a dream. Like you were in my dream. Another bit I used to, I only did once, but I was like, I met Matt Damon, which I think is really funny because now I might be in his dreams. Like he might see me in his dreams. <laughs> this is 10 years ago. But that's true. This is, it's all of it. How you do anything is how you do everything. And it's all yeah. in agreement. I think about it so much too, and I'm sure you do as well. I look at my kid and I'm like, he just like wakes up and eats and goes to preschool for a few hours. And then maybe one of the kids in the neighborhood is playing and they play outside together. And then he comes in and he eats again. And then we read a couple <laughs> oh, of books. Oh, this again. <laughs> and then he goes to bed. And I'm like, dude, he has no idea that I'm sitting here going, I got a contract reduction on this project. Mm. I yeah. have these ideas and it seems like I can't get anybody to buy them. What am I going to do? What if I can't get enough SAG work to get insurance? What if I can't do this, do that? He has no idea. Yeah. And to to see to see someone else who didn't sign up for my 
life with no foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't. And it's I go, like when you see a homeless person with a dog. Right. Yeah. And you, people get mad, probably nope. irrationally. Like the yeah. dog is giving the person companionship, yeah. and that's probably insanely important. But the insta- and, instinct is, yeah. why'd you, the dog didn't do anything. Right. You probably did something. Right. Yes, exactly. You want to scapegoat. So yeah, I'm like, oh my God. I am, respo- I am responsible not just for this kid's welfare, but for not letting my fear become his fear. Mm-hmm. I was just saying that Oof. to Val. I was like, don't parent from your wound. Because I was noticing that I was pretty lackadaisical about Leela, meaning everything will be fine, which is, which is good. Yeah. You should have some of that. And probably true. And probably true. Meaning don't sweat it too much. Yeah. Work it. Do your best but also have an autopilot that goes, and it'll probably be okay. Okay, relax. But I also realized that my, and I wasn't neglected as a child, but I felt by any means, that's a joke. I was hanging with my mom most of the time, and my dad was home every night. You know what I mean? It wasn't brutal. And yet there was a feeling of, the way we par- uh, parent now, sort of the bluey way. Yeah. Big feelings. I see you. Oh, I understand you really wanted that raincoat. You know, all that. I think it's great. So it wasn't my experience. Not, nor was it mine. Nor was it any of us, I, I don't yeah. think. But I thrived in that. The, any sort of, not by my choice. I think I would have preferred the bluey way. But any sort of friction or lemon in the water made me go, I started scheming. I was like, I'm going to build a rocket. When I was in a punk band, we had a song called Rocket Dream, and it was about building a rocket to leave home. And I was like, they think I'm just some person that lives in the house, like Ex Machina. Right. I'm the robot in the cage, but I'm slowly working you to be like, okay, and I just stole another piece for the rocket. So I realized that I was parenting a little bit from my wounds, going like, yeah, it's great to say Leela will be okay, but am I putting on her like... If we kind of cruise, she'll get driven enough to spite us and build a rocket. I was like, that's fucking stupid. It's no harm, no foul. Everything's fine. But I recognize that I was parenting from what worked for me, which might not be the healthiest choice. Yeah. 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 Can I add? Go. No, please. From the other thing that you were saying, I've been a lot more courteous on the road lately. And not, not just out of fear, although that's an element to your Mad Max thing. But I was recently visiting... I don't want to out anybody, but let's just say people be on people be people are on pills that you don't know. A lot of us, I know there's the opioid crisis, but there's also just people that are using opioids, meaning they're just on uh, drugs. And there are people with guns, and I mean like legal guns. And there are people with very low IQs that have guns legal guns so what you made me think of and again i'm not trying to propagate fear i'm just saying we also have an understanding that people that have guns and we're seeing that this isn't true all the time we think that they're in the paw patrol and surely they're they must be like obi-wan kenobi right they're like gandalf who are you to deal they with think life they and are. death they they clearly think exactly they are. but that's yeah. my so Look, I, I can't solve any big issues, not in this conversation, but I'm saying on the road, like on the drive here, some dude fucking veered right in front of me. And I, I'm a sarcastic driver, meaning I want to get next to him and be like, like yeah. that, like a Chandler face. Yeah. Not anymore. I stop before our windows are even lined up, not out of fear. 
It's just, I don't want to even toxify my own reality with my vitriol and my anger and my self-righteousness. And I just go, if I was him, I'd be him, right? Right. And then right behind that is, it was, let's just say I found out someone I know far away has a very low IQ and has a gun and and it's legal. And I was like, you think they're going to come out like Denzel Washington in a movie and they're the the meditator they're they're clear they get that vision like and like batman oh get the penguin first then punch the joker because then killer croc he's over here it's not that it might be somebody who isn't very test test wise intelligent yeah and they might be on drugs legal drugs right even if it's an anxiety reducer or something okay yeah anxiety might be useful in a situation where you have to decide Life and death. So I've just been humbled in the way you're talking about, meaning don't kid yourself. We're all on airplanes. Don't kid yourself. We only stop at red lights. And don't kid yourself. Not everybody with a gun is is fucking ghost dog samurai. You know what I mean? It's it's not the case. It's also like... It's a guy named Julian. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? He... There's also a world too. It's like you pull up next to somebody and you want to make that sarcastic face because they cut you off. And it's like, and we ended up at the same light. I was like, you well, just risk both our lives, and here we are at it's, the same light. Because there's two things that can happen: is you make the face, and they either feel shame, or give you the finger, yeah. and then you both drive away. It either ends where you both drive away, or any other way that it ends, yeah, is not a way you want it to end. That's right. There's one way where everybody drives away, but you got that in. Yep. Any other ending? And do you really need to win it at the buffet? My friend Nate Craig has a joke. When you lose in Vegas, don't win it at the buffet. Don't mm-hmm. win it back at the buffet. Mm-hmm. Val and I say don't win it back at the buffet almost every day. I've texted Nate this. I, it's a bit that just filled a gap in my life. You lost. You got scared. Someone cut in front of you. Two lanes in front of me. I had to hit the brakes. Scary. You got scared. So you lost the casino. Don't win it back at the buffet. Yeah. Don't pull up to him and be like, why you're risking so much i do have some moments that come to mind from growing up in new jersey where those were some of the most validating moments in my life dude i was in a car with somebody from new jersey press prescott tolk is his name Mm -hmm. we were in chicago and we stopped at a stop sign and these people were crossing in front of us and then when they stopped they were like they were kind of like drunk kids and they're like you can go now and uh, Prescott threw it in park, got out of the car, and was like, oh, I can go now? It's okay for me to go? Yeah, Jersey people are, yeah, we're crazy with that. Like, oh, thank you. Thank you for letting me know I can go. Like five dudes. And I was like, what? what is this? <laughs> you know that I, have I ever told you that I, like me, the me you know, yeah. once knowingly started a high-speed police chase on a highway? <laughs> Gravitas Pictures presents. <laughs> Have I told you that? No. Yeah. What? When I was in college. What? Someone's driving. I had uh, 12 points on my license, I think, because I had speeding tickets and accidents. And uh, I think it was, I think it was, whatever number it was, it was one away from losing my license. If I got one more point on my license, I would not have a license, which would have been a disaster. <laughs> Needed it to get back and forth to school and work and things. And I was driving on Route 287 in New Jersey, and I was flying. It was the middle of the night. And this was that stretch of my life where it was like, I was a full-time college student. I worked three days a week at a magazine and packed in pretty much 40 hours in three days so I could 
also go to school. And I had already started at UCB because I started there when I was the end of my sophomore year in college. So I was like never sleeping. It was stupid. Burning myself down. <laughs> full-time college student, full-time job, and going into the city to do comedy as often as I could. And I was driving and I was exhausted and I was doing like 90 something around 90 probably and i saw the headlights flick on on the center medium and that's only a cop you know yeah but i was going so fast i keep going and then a few seconds later i look and i see that the lights pull out and the car's behind me and i'm like that has to be a cop car but he hasn't turned on his sirens yet I was pulled over two days ago. That's that's a that's a thing. There's always the moment where you're like, "What's happening? Oh. Where's that?" Now I react. I think that's when they're calling it in. I think so. Yeah. So he, I go. He hasn't turned on the lights and siren yet. There, I can see the next exit, and I went. I'm gonna fucking make it to that exit, and I hit the gas, and I said, "Let me get to that goddamn exit," and he, he, I, he started accelerating, but he still didn't turn on the lights. And I mean, you he wanted to see where but, this goes. But let me also say, you too, just became a bigger fish. You've known me in some stretches where I was more unhinged. You've seen it. You've been around. We've been in each other's sphere. And this was before I had any treatment. This was in a stretch of life before I had any. This was not, this was just the state of my life. Like you and I have known each other long enough that there's been a few times where it's been like, oh, I, like Gethard's acting crazy, you know, like, and that's been a word that spread because things broke again. This was when that was just the state of being. So I was like- Like you went back to how you were. This is when you were. This was when I were, yeah. Yeah. This is when I were. This is when I was that. So in my head, I was just like, as long as he doesn't turn on the lights, I'm gonna just go for it. And I made it to an exit and uh, got off the highway and it was a big looping exit. So I, I could see when I was like two thirds of the way up, I could see the headlights that he was also taking the exit. And it was some area of New Jersey that I didn't know. Well, dude, here's the best part is, uh, so I go, I I took a few random turns off this exit and wound up in this neighborhood and turned off all the lights in the car and then like got down. Like drive. Like, yeah, like total darkness. And then I was sitting there and I was down there and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, it was only then that I was like, what the fuck? And then I kind of poked my head up and I could tell it was a very, like the houses were really wealthy. I was like, these people are going to call the fuck. What am I doing? Like, what did I just, holy shit, what did I just do? You know? I was really scared. So I waited a few minutes. I was like, I got to get out of here. I and love that there's a cop siren well, in yeah, the distance as we're telling the this. story. But in my head, I was just like, you know, okay, I've learned my lesson on this. And um, I get back to the exit to get back on the highway. And the cop was just waiting there. And he pulled me over. Cause he knew at some point I was going to have to get back to the highway. <laughs> will, you, will you stop so when dude, you're talking to me? He pulls me over. You wait where his lights off. Cause in the movie gravitas pictures, Benz, you no, he, go back. Boom, he turned them on and they come on yep. and you're like, I was like, there he is. Fuck. And he was pissed. Real pissed. How could he be sure? He, he got your license. That's I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Maybe. But either way he walked up, he's like license registration insurance now i get my license out of my wallet i give him the license i open up my glove compartment and i just was like sir i'm so sorry to tell you this i can't i i don't know where my registration and insurance are and he's like you have to be fucking kidding 
He's like, after all, you don't, I was like, I, they're not, I, they should be in there. I don't see them. I'm very sorry about that. And then he looks at my license. Of course, it's like, Mr. Get Hard. Do you know why I'm pulling you over? He said, Get Hard. Said, Get Hard. Didn't correct him. And, um, Mr. Get Hard. Do you, he goes, uh, he's like, tell, he's like, you know, you're going so fast. It's so unsafe. He's like, do you have any points on your license already? I was like, yeah, if I lose, uh, if I lose, if I get one more, if I go, if I get one more, I'm going to lose my license. He's like, are you fucking serious? Like every step of the way, he's like, you're fucking kidding me, right? And then he looks at my license and he goes, uh, he goes, uh, I'll never forget. He goes, so it says here you live in West Orange. I go, yeah, I'm, I'm going to my parents' house in West Orange. And he goes, but this exit does not get you to West Orange. And I go, no, it does not. And he goes, so I am safe then in assuming the only reason you got off at this exit was to evade capture by me. And I heard that and I'm like, that's like jail, evading arrest, you know? And I just looked at him and I, I was, I, I just go, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to be honest, sir. Yeah. I was evading capture by you. And um, I just want you to know that I'm aware it's, it's by far the stupidest thing I've ever done. And to this day, I don't know why he just looked at me and he's like, you know what, man, have a good night. <laughs> and he just gave me the license back. And all, and first of all, are you? When people say white privilege isn't real, I'm like, oh no, I've lived it right there. I've lived it. First of all, but secondly, I'm like, all I could ever think of Pete was like, I think he legitimately realized that I was. I think at that, I think I was 20, and I think he was like, this is a 20 year old kid, and this will actually ruin his life. Like it will actually. He's going to go to jail for evading, evading arrest from a state trooper, driving without most of his documentation, and going 30 miles above the speed limit with 12 points on his license. Like, this kid, it's going to ruin his life. 35. That's all I, all I've, I've never totally been sure, but that's all I can think of. That's the only reason. Yeah. Unless in that moment he had a vision of you on a bidet in front of a studio audience. Like, and this like, guy is going to do some... some um, some alternative he's gonna do some alternative comedy someday that's beloved by a small but mighty yes fan base get hearts get yeah. get heads the get heads yeah yeah the get heads yeah that, that name didn't age well <laughs> no. Mo Mo most an incredible story most things i've done haven't aged well as you know oh my god I, this microphone is moist i just every story you tell i'm freaking out yeah, and it was bad. It was it was really dumb. I got pulled over two days ago, and again, I I felt for no reason. He just dropped the number of uh, miles over I was going, just to help you out a little bit. Yeah, and I was, but I also have been pulled over not that long ago, and it was the opposite. The guy yeah. was very curt, and not, and this guy was just kind of like he was telling me stories. Did not recognize me. All I said to Val was I was in I was happy speeding. I was on the phone with a friend, just having a great day. Because my depression had broken. Yeah. I was cruising. Yeah. I wasn't driving dangerous. I was going too fast. Love it. And I swear, this is my, but this is what we do. We build a story. The story that I do not think is literally true, but I'm still going to tell you, is that I was a beam of light. Hmm. I was like- Did you tell the officer that? No, but as soon as he talked to me, and I'm just like, immediately admitted fault, immediately, like anything I could do to just, like I was just like- happy to see yeah. him like there was no 
he I had a Mountain Valley Spring bottle, and he thought it was a beer bottle. And I was like, oh, yeah, we have like a little moment. He was like, you'd be surprised. And I was like, this is fucking privilege for sure. Yeah, I concede that. And I'm a little embarrassed and shamed. But I'm also just like, I love this guy in the story. I love this guy that he decided not. He had you. And he was pissed. He was pissed, too. But he he got past it. I I got out of a ticket back then, too, once when I was a kid because I was so scared that I kept calling the cop your honor. He's like, do you know you were speeding? And I was like, I know, I know. I'm really sorry about that, Your Honor. And he's like, that's what you call a judge. He's like, I'm an officer. And my response was, I'm uh, sorry about that, Your Honor. And he laughed so hard. <laughs> and he was like, you know what? Just go. Get out of here. Just go. You, I don't know what I mean. I think I just mean you're likable and people root for you. You have a get out of here face. I, ha- I think I have a. You're not the guy I, in a movie, you would never get cast as the guy that gets the book thrown at him. I don't think so. But I, and I think especially back then, there may have been some sense that maybe some of these people were like, this kid seems stressed out enough. Yeah. You know, like this kid seems like he's pretty Well, that's what I'm getting. Broken. Like, what are, we, what are we aware of that we don't know we're aware of? Yeah. And in that moment, he was listening to a gut or yeah. something. Yeah. And that's what, again, I can't know this is true. And if I had to bet, like- is it true? I'd say no, but I'm like, this guy's picking up that he is pulled over a guy that made a mistake and it, nobody it, got hurt in the process. Yes. And is, is, has been driving more slowly and yeah. more safely. And it was like, I can't call it, but interesting. Any ambulance stories? Oh, so many. It's the best. It's the best. I mean, so first of all, most. Do you sleep well on those nights? No, um, initially, I didn't. Initially, it was quite hard. Uh, but now I do. I mean, because it's such a small town. Like, to put it in perspective, I worked Tuesday nights. There was one stretch where we didn't get a call on a Tuesday night for nine weeks. Oh, wow. So it's this is not like a procedural where I'm flying out the door all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, uh, you know, it's a very good-hearted thing to do. All the people involved are, I, I really admire them. Most of it is helping elderly people. Mm-hmm. That's been a very eye-opening thing. Um, excuse me one moment. I have to sneeze. Bless you. Thank you. I can't help um, but notice you sneezed over there, but your parents live in West Door. <laughs> there you <laughs> the go. The weirdest riff. You sw- you sneezed in that direction you to avoid. to evade capture. Um, I've had. I was just going to say, my mom is older now, uh, yeah. getting older, and they're they're both in their eighties, and I'm just like these people. It's a weird combo of need help and won't ask or admit that they need help. And then there's a lot of so there's an app on my phone. And you get all the alerts in town, even if you're not on duty, because there are situations where, let's say there's already been a call and one the crew on duty is out. Yeah. And then another call comes in. Well, now you need to scramble. And if you're around, go. Wow. You know, it's like that type of thing. It's so weird. you see all the alerts all the time. And most of them are false. Most of them are an elderly person fell or yeah. an elderly person's medic alert bracelet went off and we can't get in touch with them and we need you to go check on it. Or yeah you know, a pre-existing condition and you're giving a person a ride to the hospital because their spouse is also in their eighties and they can't drive at night. So right. can you give them a ride? It's very right. simple stuff, but yeah, the ones that aren't simple, I can say I've had, I've now done, I've been doing it a year. I've had about 30 calls. Can I ask real quick? Yeah. Why did you sign up for life? I think to help for life. My wife, we, they, we got a, they put a note in the mailbox 
that was like, hey, we need volunteers. Think about signing up. And my wife was like, I think you'd be good at this. Like, you're pretty good. I'm strict for a guy who's been riddled by anxiety. One thing that anxiety people I think will tell you is very often we're actually very good under pressure yeah. because we live in that headspace. Right. The problem is we live in it when it's not warranted or real. That's right. So we, that's called our dry run. But in an emergency, <laughs> there's a lot of people going, what is this feeling? I haven't, and I'm like, this yeah. is welcome to, this is yeah. my comfort zone. Right. This is why I'm so annoying at parties. You know? That's right. That's right. Um, so I'm actually, she's like, you're a really good driver. You're good under pressure. And I signed up and it takes a little more time than we anticipated. Um, but I really like it. I like helping. I like finding small ways to help. I'm, I used to think that I could make comedy that gave people who needed something those things. And I think in those days that was true. Like I, you know, my HBO special was about depression and suicide and stuff. And people have told me it helped them. And the old Gethard show, a lot of the people who watched it say it helped them when they were younger and they needed it. But I don't know that my comedy, at least right now, has that potential as much. I don't know if I'm as relevant as someone in that space. I think I've a lot of the things that I had a fire. I, I think I went and fought those fights, and I ha and and now there's other people with fights, and you, I don't want to take up the oxygen in that room. And I've had to take a deep breath and be okay with that. But now I realize, like, oh, that feeling of helping people through my comedy, you can just help people in a way that's meant to help people and you still get that satisfaction. Even if you don't get the ego and the cheers and the laughs and the camaraderie with the other, I'm still helping yeah, people. And yeah. that, that particular dopamine is just there for the taking for anyone. Like I promise you, wherever you live, there's some place nearby you could be volunteering and you'll feel good doing it. You know? Yeah. Um, it's one of the biggest secrets of life. I haven't yet, I delude myself. And I'm like, well, my comedy helps people and the podcast help people. I think that's true. I don't know if my brain knows it as well as it would know it as driving someone on a gurney. Right. It would. And know I learned that lesson. You helped. I kind of signed signed up. Pandemic, boredom, moved to a new town. My wife was like, "Why don't you do this? Shake things up." And it's actually been very gratifying. Mm. Um, I've had only a couple that were scary. Um. I'm not allowed to say too much because of HIPAA laws about specifics, but like, I've never seen someone die. I I I have had someone in my ambulance who I later learned died, mm. and I saw them in that process, and that was extremely sobering. Mm. Um, um, I can say that there have been a number of weird and funny ones that make it completely worth it. <laughs> What's a weird nuts. one? Like, uh, oh, you can't. I can't. I can. I can't do, say anything that would identify someone. I can tell you that I once. You get the the app goes off. Beep 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 goes, on, and you also have a separate pager so that if one isn't working, and that starts going, choo 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 EMS EMS da da da, da and it starts this voiceover. So you can't sleep through this, you know. And when the app goes off on my phone, it, first it gives you a one sentence description, then the nine one one dispatcher is updating it as they learn information. So the very first thing is it goes off and you see one sentence. Mm. Like I said, it'll say fall. It'll say diabetic issue, asthma attack. These things where you go, okay, these things happen. This is really framing when I was a kid, we called 911 in a sketch we were shooting and it was an ad for 911. I went, 911, it's always free. And we hung up and they heard, I can't breathe. So thinking about the people with beepers and- And it goes off. And Someone can't breathe. And they're really hauling ass. And they probably heard that it was like a younger person's voice. Yeah. Which is- Terrifying. 
a younger person with a breathing issue, something's really wrong. And when I and they got yeah. there, I'm doing bits and stuff. You're like, ah, sketch hey, company. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> so they're usually these simple things. Sobering. It goes off at about 11 at night, and it says, uh, I'll tell you this one first. The first night I drove on my own, and to give you a sense of how volunteerism works in America, I was shadowing the guy on Tuesday nights. And I had, I had, I had gone and gotten my CPR certification. One of the drivers who's been around a long time took me out during the day, and I drove the ambulance four or five times. And then there were three weeks in a row on Tuesdays where I shadowed this other driver. And I shadowed him on, I think, two or three calls. And then one night, uh, or one Tuesday during the day, the captain of the first aid squad texts me and he goes, hey, so just so you know, you're bumped up. You're no longer a trainee. You're the Tuesday night driver now. And I wrote back and I said, I've only shadowed him a few weeks. I don't know if I'm ready yet. And his response was, that guy moved. You're the Tuesday night guy now. <laughs> and that tells you a lot about volunteerism. You yeah. know, it really does. Yeah. Like, no, you younger generations me. are not stepping up. You that know? guy moved. <laughs> he doesn't live in town anymore. You're the Tuesday night guy. So my first night, we had one call that was a guy with a heart issue, but he was fine and he was talking and he just needed a ride and it was a pre-existing thing. I said, okay, I got my first one under the way. That was about like eight or nine o'clock. I'm leaving the house. Hallie's going, baby, be careful. I love you. Good job. Like it was all this adrenaline. Same night, 2.30 in the morning. Beep, 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 blah, blah, blah. It wakes us up. Hallie's like, holy shit. I run out of the house, throw my pants on and I look at the app and it just says man in ditch. And I'm like, here we go. And I live in a town that's uh, pretty, like I spent all my TV show money on it. I wouldn't say that I don't have tons of money coming in anymore, but I had a few years there where I, now I can buy a house and I'm living in a town that's, you know, it's a wealthier zip code, really quiet at night. It doesn't really have a downtown with businesses. There's no reason for somebody walking around at 2.30 at night. We get out there and this guy is in a ditch and he's there and there's a cop there and the guy's bleeding. He's got blood coming from his head and his ankle's busted. And um, my crew chief gets out and she's like, okay, so, you know, what happened? He's like, I, I fell in the ditch. She's <laughs> like, what were you doing out here? It's the middle of nowhere. Like, Pete, I'm telling you, I live in a suburban neighborhood, but when you get to the end of my block, it's woods and farms. Like, it's the end of the suburbs and the beginning of farm country in New Jersey. Like, <laughs> legitimately, my neighborhood is like the last suburb before this other stretch she's like what, what are you doing walking around here in the first place at this time of night and he's like well i went out drinking with friends in morristown and i didn't want to drive because i have a dui so i took a train um and i'm too drunk and i didn't really i missed the last train so i figured i'd just walk home and we asked where he's walking to he tells us where he lives and it's like an, a solid hour drive and we're like you're gonna walk it in the middle of the night in a town with no street lights She's like, okay, why didn't you call one of your friends to come pick you up? And he's like, I guess I just didn't have friends that I think would do that. And let me also be clear. He's speaking like I'm speaking now. He's not drunk. I'm looking at him and I'm like, I've been drunk in my life. It's been many years, but I have been drunk and I've been around drunk people. This person's not drunk. We could immediately sense. She's like, he's, something's up. She's like, why didn't you call somebody? Oh, I guess I, none of my friends would do that. She goes, why didn't you get like an Uber or a Lyft? He's like, I don't, I don't have those apps on my phone. She's like, why didn't you download them? He goes, well, I wasn't getting reception. She goes, but you called us. And then everybody just stopped and was staring at each other. And it was just like, what is happening here? 
and the guy didn't want to get back in the ambulance and the cop was like you get in the fuck and like i'm not like if you wander around limping and bleeding through this town at three in the morning i'm gonna get eight more calls about you buddy like you can barely walk get in the ambulance we take him to the hospital he's like i don't want to go and we're like get in like we're not spending all night doing this and my the crew that was there that night we have debated ever since what was really going on yeah like what he was so clearly lying some people were like i think he might have been on other drugs besides booze and didn't want to admit it like maybe he was on shrooms or something or acid yeah, yeah. i was like i bet he was hooking up with somebody and he like went for a kink and they were like you got to get the fuck out of my house like i bet he came back to my town with somebody and then he was like, you want me to pee on you? And they were like, you got to go. And he, then he had to walk. I think it was something like that. You know, let's, like he look, was like, I don't even have time to call an Uber because I'm ashamed and I got to go. Right. I go right to crime though. I'm you like, think so? he did a crime. That, there was something so clearly going on. Yeah. I had another one where there was a, it came up. It was like 11 o'clock flipped car. I was like, fuck, this is for real. This is really for real. This is the vehicle version of Man and Ditch. There you go. And uh, I get there. Man Dude, I pull up. There's like 10 fire trucks from all different nearby towns, cop cars. Turns out this dude had stolen a car and tried to rob a restaurant the next town over and then fled and flipped his car. Wow. Car was accordioned. He was fine, which my crew chief said, that only happens when someone's really drunk or fucked because up on drugs because their body, they don't, their body stays relaxed. Tense bodies get injured. Tense bodies get injured and they don't tense up. This kid was fine. I looked at the car. I said, I'm about to see a dead body. And yeah. instead the kid was fine. Yeah. Now he claimed that there were, were other people in the car that ran away, which I think turned out to not be true, but they had canine units they had drones in the sky and i pull up in the ambulance me pete me like the guy you've known forever me on a tv show would all assume this guy lives at a hospital dude yeah but like the improv guy like the guy who tells the long emo stories yeah. you know yeah and they're like you got to back it in back it in so i'm like backing up between like dogs and drones and fire trucks and like what the what's going on tonight the captain of the crew was with us that night he's like you need me to get out i'm like no I, I got it he's like all right young buck like this is pretty good shit for a rookie i'm like what the fuck is happening here he said that dude they put him in the stretcher in our ambulance they handcuff him there's a cop on board of them and he's rambling because he's high on who knows what and the cops are like you can't go yet we got to write down what he's saying and it was really intense eventually we're on our way to the hospital and he, he's been rambling this whole time and you just go silent and you feel everybody perks up to listen. And he just, out of nowhere just goes, Whoa, I could have fucking died back there. And I've never laughed harder. I'm like, what a punchline for me to come upon the scene with like a dozen fire trucks and dogs and drones and angry cops and handcuffs. And he's rambling. Cause he's, it seemed like on amphetamines or something. And then silence whoa i could have fucking died back there i was like that is who's got better timing than that you are the first and only guest that answer a new question since you've been on the show last is when's the time you laughed hardest and you just answered that probably it without it. that was probably it without me asking speaking of which when is your flight i don't want you to miss oh it. i should probably go to the airport oh my flight's at two you're fine you're fine i'm gonna trust the person who's telling me i'm not fine you're absolutely fine. How long does it take to get to the airport? 45 minutes. But it's Los Angeles. 
What do you mean? What do you mean? What do I? I've spent. I've been here for three days, and I spent the entirety of it sitting in traffic. Okay, watch this. Okay, this is good. This is good podcasting. Yeah, nobody's going to the. Well, that's that's true. Okay, it says I'm going to turn my phone off airplane mode, and if it starts highly beeping, that means a nine one one call has happened in my town in New Jersey since we've been doing this. And Pete, I follow the app. It says forty nine minutes. I travel for a living, folks. But that'll get me there at one. And An my flight's hour at before two. your flight. Let me double check when the. Is this is. an international flight? No, it's to Chicago. Okay, and flight's are you taking an Uber? No, I'm driving. I have to drop my rental car. Oh, I was going to call you an Uber. I want the credit for being nice. Um, Pete, this is the app. And I can't show you specifics, but like this. These are the people who have listed themselves as off-duty, which means they're out of town. I could do that technically now. If I'm in town, I leave it on. I always leave it on. Because this is, it's like, um, I don't want to say it's entertainment. It's not. I understand. Police scanner. It's the police scanner thing in my head. And I also know. You're this close to being Spider-Man. Like it went off last night with a really grim sounding call. And I'm like, oh, I know the people on the crew tonight. And I'm watching it to be like, are they getting, are they getting there in time? Like, and you can see like it comes in with the. Wow. I can't show you too much of this, but like all these updates are written in this code. No, there's, there's a n- picture of the guy's dick. That's not. It's weird. He sent a dick pic right before this emergency. <laughs> I don't know why the nine one one operator included that. Let's. But I sit there and I, I'm updated and I'm like, okay, like, all right, good. They're at the station house. Like these time codes that you don't know what they mean. Like, that's when they got dispatched. That's when they got to the station house. That's when they actually left. That's when they got to the good scene. numbers, guys. And I I track it and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Oh, great, they got there. Good, 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 good. It's crazy, man. I'm so. It feels so perfect. And I can't wait to see the gravitas picture, Murph flip, and I th- Jersey. I can't believe ambulance. how hard we laughed about that Murph flip. It was so good. I knew you'd like that. I didn't, but like I haven't it. thought about it. I loved it. <laughs> but I also, it's also funny too because it's a side of improv where I'm like, they did that show. I don't know if I, I, I probably would have had it in me, but most of us. If there's an audience there, you don't want to scare them. You want yeah. to please them. Yeah. And they were scared that night. I get it. And I love it. I get it. You, you, you're an incredible guy. I, mm. This was such a great episode. I, it was really, it's always good to talk to you. I know. I, and I knew it would be wonderful, but I didn't expect it to be this wonderful. And it, you're a real gift. Thank you. And we've always connected. And there have been, as mentioned on the show before, a few times where I feel like we've, we had a friendship years ago. I would say that friendship still maintains, but entertainment drags people apart. Yeah. And in spite of that, there have been a few times where we've crossed paths, either in person or via reaching phone, out, yeah. where I'm like, oh, Pete's always been down to step up as a friend, and it means a lot to me. Oh, I feel the same way about you. I'm embarrassed to say this, but I think you'll understand. I have a file in my phone called Friends. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I just, I need to write them down because sometimes the stupid life you forget. It's very easy to and forget. I see there it is, Chris Gethard. And I go, oh yeah. I did it on the way in today. I was feeling kind of existentially scared. And there are people that I call. Yeah. And it's really nice that you're one of them. I love you. Yeah. It's, really you've do. stepped up a few times. And I'll say this. We were talking before about like, do you feel disappointment, mentoring? And there's times where I go, not everybody does step up. Even people you've been through very intense, close stretches with. Oh, not the every- dark. That's what was going to get dark. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't want to get dark to end it, but just I, I I say it as a positive in appreciation of you. Of there have been times where we've been in the same city for 
you know, Montreal. Yeah. Where I remember us having a conversation that meant so much to me. Right. You know, like me too. times where you've picked up and the I phone or times you. where I've picked your advice. And a couple of times where I remember you once, there was one time and I won't say what, but like, I think you needed someone with some punk rock ethics and you were like should here's a thing i'm wondering what's your instinct on and i go i know why pete's asking me about this and i know yeah no here's get out of your own way on this you know and it it means a lot to me that we can do that to each other even though it's once every couple years i agree it's It's a special thing thing. yeah it's almost it might not be literally true but it's like a past like past life people that keep coming in like we've we found each other again yeah and i have friends in montreal you see them on a marquee and you text them and you don't hear back but i'm not getting dark no. Just, and I understand if I was them, I'd but be it's them. Heart, I, it, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. It can still be sad and we can understand and have compassion. Because I sometimes on my dark days feel like, oh, I fooled myself into thinking that we were part of a movement together. Yeah. And I guess for you, it wasn't that. And it took me a long time to realize that's fine too. Yeah. You're allowed to not be motivated by that. Right. My motivation was that. Hmm. especially with the old tv show you know but some people when it got canceled moved on yeah. and we're not tight anymore right and for a long time i felt like what did i do wrong and i realized no we came together for the thing it's man on wire i just rewatched man on wire did you watch that i haven't seen it in years is that philippe petit yeah I, there's a great children's book about him Okay. My son is obsessed with Philippe Petit because of this children's book, but wow. I haven't rewatched the documentary. There's just a moment where one of the guys that secured the wire on the World Trade Center before he walked across it is just talking about how important it was, and clearly they fell out of touch as soon as it was ended, and he just starts crying. And they, it's such restraint in the documentary. They don't ask him, why are you crying? Like, what, yeah. what are you feeling right now? They just let him cry, and you go, I know why he's crying. This changed his life. And he doesn't see this person right. anymore. And I, that I, part I, is over. I've I've had that. I've had that yeah. feeling in a big way of like, oh, I, I did some stuff that I know changed my life. Yeah. Well, you are a petite Philippe and your your son is going to be thrilled as he starts to piece this together. Or people on the schoolyard will make fun of him when they're like, your dad went on TV and put a bidet in his asshole. <laughs> I've had that thought too. But ultimately, I think he's going to realize. I think they're going to be and my mom, watching it, an AI listen, movie made about them, starring them yeah, yeah. for them. And they'll it's be like, oh, they're not going to care about Matrix anything world. we did. And my, like, I've lived a pretty cool wife, life and my wife has lived one that makes me look fucking lame. So he's yeah. going to at some point realize that uh, his parents walked the walk. And, and walked the wire. There you go. There it is. Would you say keep it crispy? I'm only rushing because I got to get you out. Keep it. Yeah, absolutely. Keep it crispy. Why would you not keep it crispy? <laughs> Thank you, my my friend. You're the best, Pete. You're the best. That was so incredible.